Welcome, everyone, to Davos Fingers, episode 150, Ash and Elm, Rot and Rust. I'm Scatty, and with me, as always, is my buddy, Matt. Yes, Scatty. Yes, listeners. In this episode, we are covering chapter 70, called Signs, through chapter 72, which is called Bororil. Bororil? Bororil. It's a thing. We'll, it's a we'll place. about it. It's a noun. Um. Is yeah, only three chapters, only three. Doozy of an episode, though, as Quoth totally changes direction on us, like that. Uh, while he starts out contemplating his next move after being assassinated, he's distracted by a nearby conversation that hints that the Chandrian remember them have been spotted recently and not very far away. So, of course, our dear Quoth sacrifices his future to chase his true purpose, meeting a friend along the way and trying to uncover the mysterious secrets of the Chandrian. Yeah, no, nothing to uh, get you to change direction, I guess, like an attempted assassination uh, and the bringing about of a secret you've been chasing for, you know, a year or more of your life. Mm -hmm. uh, it's certainly an interesting chapter. We'll get, we'll get into all of that. Uh, a few announcements first. Uh, first of all, Patreon. We'll just keep it vague. Changes are coming. Uh, we're going to change our direction a little bit on Patreon in the new year. Uh, more information to come. We'll just yep. leave it at that for now. Yeah. Um, holiday plans, Matt. What uh, What do you got going for the for the holidays? You and your family. Um, Cheetos in my underwear. That's about that's it. A, that's a nice plan. Nah, dude, throw, we're home. Throw in we're some just... Star Wars, and you got you got a plan there. That actually sounds really good. It does. Uh, Leia and I watched A New Hope the other night, and it was just delightful. Mm -hmm. She loves Star Wars. The other the other kids aren't too into it, but Leia loves Star Wars, and it was so fun to just sit and watch it with her. Um, she's a big Vader fan, isn't she? She yeah. Since she was a little kid, you remember when she was little? When she was like three, she got really into Darth Vader. Yeah. And Darth Vader is still her favorite character. But it is fun to see how the generations revere kind of the... Uh, uh, like, Ray doesn't mean a ton to me, mm. but Ray means a ton to Leia. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, I remember when the new movies were going to come out, um, Brooke was still with us at that time, and I remember her putting it very well. She was so excited for the younger generation because... There had been kind of that gap of movies where there were no new movies for the kids to relate to. Mm -hmm. But now these movies were going to come out and she was really excited for the for the kids of this generation to have these new fresh characters to really relate to and and revere and hold up. Oh, yeah. I've forgotten I, that. That was before uh, episode seven even came out. Yeah. And that, that she was saying that. And uh, it always kind of stuck with me because I never thought of it that way. And then, and then I remember, like days later, I'm like, "Well, God, I hope the movie's good, or, <laughs> or that, or that won't matter, or we're ruining a whole generation." But I, you know, I I get it with Ray. I think Ray is uh, super relatable for a lot of people, and she's great. And uh, yeah, while she doesn't like tug at my heartstring the same way as like Leia you know, does, a Leia or a Luke do, or or Han, or or even a Chewie. Uh, or even a three PO, you know, like that. That's just from my childhood, but it, you, you know, probably does for, you know, for your Leia, 
um, mm-hmm. and, and other young kids that kind of got introduced to them. Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure the other ones besides Ray really. I wonder if they do. Like, do people really like grasp onto Kylo Ren? Like, do they? I, don't know. I think I think they do. Leia yeah, digs yeah. him too. She likes Poe yeah. more than Kylo. Yeah. Um, yeah. Finn. I Finn mean, had such a strong start, and then they just let him kind of fizzle yeah. out. Dude, and that's not that, his fault. That's not Boyega's fault, right? That's the scene in the forest near the end where it's the double lightsaber battle, right? Where Finn picks up that saber, earns and it. Just like, and yes, right. No training, no idea what he's doing. All heart. Like this, this is the rebellion in a nutshell. Jedi or not, this guy rules. He's doing what he's got to do. It almost with... makes it cooler that he's not a Jedi. At yeah. That I mean, I remember yeah. Rise of Skywalker. Well, yeah. They they reveal that he does. He is force sensitive, but right. It almost makes it cooler that he's not at that point. And yeah, he's like he's picking up a lightsaber and getting it done. Yeah, yeah. totally, man. And then and the gets, very you know, next he film, does pretty well. He gets wrecked, but he you know sure. he does he sure. does his best. Then the very next film, it's a throwaway plot line where he's, you know, running through some street in a casino world and for really no reason. And people still defend that movie. I'll never see it. I I know. I think there are some good things about it. It's got moments. It's got its moments. Yeah. 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 But But. anyway, regardless, I hope they do. I hope they connect to those characters like like we connected to them when we were in the original movies. Yeah. Um, we're going to uh, Star Valley, Wyoming after Christmas. Wow. We're spending Christmas okay. at home, but fans, you ever heard of uh, Star Valley? It's a, it's the pretty part of Wyoming. <laughs> I feel like all of Wyoming's pretty. Oof. No? Well, there's I guess some rough spots, east, man. When you get east, I guess it's pretty, it's pretty there's flat. Some, and, there's uh, some pretty flat. And brown. Desolate areas. areas. Yeah. That's true. But uh, there's, there's really, Star Valley is beautiful place and got some family property up there a little ranch so we'll be going to stay up there oh cool uh, for a couple days and uh yeah just uh no internet connection just kind of have some books and (laughs) watch dvds and play cards and yeah ride snowmobiles sled down the driveway Uh, it's gonna be great Is, is it a steep hilly driveway Steep, long, windy driveway. Like you have to steer down it. Oh, it's wow. Like okay. Really long. Right. It wraps okay. like clear around. The house is on top of a hill and it wraps kind of like around the hill. It's yeah. it's it's a bit precarious. Okay. Yeah. All right, good. Yep. Leia broke her wrist last time we were up there sledding the hill. Oh. So we'll see. Okay. All yeah. right. Well, that sounds fun. That sounds yeah. that sounds joyous. Just just your you and your insular family or uh, no, we got some, uh, my wife's side. So okay, cool. her parents, Great. brothers and sisters and their kids and stuff. So, but it's a big place. Yeah. It's got bunk house and okay, cool. yeah, theater room. Nice. It's got, it's big. It's nice. Well, we don't have anything nearly that elaborate. Uh, uh, Kelly Thompson, writer of writer of many comic books, uh, coming down from her home to, to come join the family for the holidays this year. That's nice. Noise. Great to see her hang out with she and my brother. And how uh, long has it been since you've been in her presence, like physically together? Um, it would. Yeah, I guess it would have been 
it would have been last last Christmas. So a year ago. Oh, yeah, good. I'm glad you guys get together. Yeah. And uh but you know, we're just gonna stick at home. We've got some vacation. Um, you know, from between Christmas and New Year's, like pretty pretty commonly do that. So get some hopefully just get some family time in and relax a little bit, recharge for, you know, to do the whole thing again. The grind over and over, man. No, this is gonna be our year, man. Are you? Know, it's our year. Okay. Twenty twenty four is the year. It's, it's the it's the year for something. It'll be the tenth year of Davos Fingers, right? So you know something's got to happen. The tenth year of Davos Fingers, right? Yeah, I, I think so. Yeah, because we twenty yeah twenty fourteen, yeah, yeah. That's crazy, man. Crazy. What are you gonna do, listeners, for us to? Pay us back for all the amazing content that we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Cutting edge. Uh, Illuminating <laughs> content. That... Luminous beings we are. Uh, all right. None of this crude matter. Uh, Nothing. We should just change the name of our podcast to Crude Matter. That would actually be pretty cool. <laughs> That's yeah, a good one, Scatty. Nice job. I think you've stumbled upon something. It's, it's kind also of not us. a. It's not a bad uh album title either. no not at all yeah Good matter i yeah. love that dude yeah i love that well <laughs> we are spoiler free on this podcast as we cover the cover the king killer chronicle until the end of the podcast where we have a special segment called debbie after dark uh that means we won't be spoiling any future content that is not happening in the chapters we are covering today except in that special section so listen with confidence matt how can they get in touch with us However they want. I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> um, we've gotten a few emails lately, and it's always fun to hear from y'all. We are DavosFingers at gmail.com. We're on Twitter and also on Blue Sky. You can find our handles there, but it's essentially at DavosFingers. You can find and like us on Facebook. And um, we mentioned that Patreon's going to be going through some changes, but we'd still love to see you over there. That's patreon.com slash Davos fingers. Uh, and also, I guess we should we should start putting this on our thing, but our episodes are now on YouTube and have been for quite some time. So look for us on YouTube, Davos fingers. That's right. We just kind of decided why not. We just started kind of doing it. It was when we were doing the House of the Dragon. House of the coverage. Dragon. That's like, when we started we just doing do this it. all the time anyway. Yeah. And just... then we just didn't stop. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. This is how this is how we make decisions. It this, really is at, at this podcast. We're coming up into our tenth year, <laughs> and we're still making decisions. Actually, yeah. maybe even more recklessly than we used to. I'd say definitely, but yeah. I think I think I think we've learned where we can just get away with doing the bare minimum. Sure, and so when we can, we do. And yeah, then, yeah. And then we skate on it. I think we do skate sometimes. I think we still put a lot of work into things a lot of the time. Yes, sure. But we've also learned to not take our, we take the work seriously, but don't, we don't take ourselves too seriously. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, most of the time. Like, yeah. I take myself pretty seriously. I'm willing to laugh at myself, but that's I, good. But, I, but I'm, I'm a reasonably serious person. Like someone who's seriously thinking about like a business model or something would probably think more about, you know, <laughs> yeah. if we start putting our episodes on YouTube, uh, yeah. 
you know, we should do like a lot or something special yes, or, yes. you know, and we're just like, oh yeah, we've been doing it for a year and we yeah. just didn't tell anybody, but oh, my we brother-in-law only, has we're only got no, 20 views. Why? I wonder, I don't know. Cause we oh, never well. told anybody. Oh, well. <laughs> we don't do it for the views anyway. We just do it for fun. My, my brother-in-law can't understand it at all. He's put quite a bit of effort into a YouTube channel that he has and it's been really successful for him. And oh, good. He talked, to, he talked to me years and years ago about our podcast. Like, you guys have a, a really good following. Like, you should be investing in this and like making it. And like, eh, you know, we like we like going the speed we're at. Yeah, we like doing what we do. It's fine. Yeah. We're not, you know, we're not. He's like, you could, but <laughs> he just did not get it. <laughs> but 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 yeah, we understand. I hear you, and, and we're cool. And this is we're where better. we are. Yep. That's how we like it. Should we jump into chapter 70? It's 10 minutes into this episode. We probably should. We probably should. This is what the people want. Chapter 70, signs. Quoth awakens within the dockside in room that he had rented, still afraid that someone might be pursuing him after his near assassination the previous night. He bathes, gets breakfast, and considers his options. He could run, just leave his whole life behind, but he had far too much invested in the university to leave. Could he confront Ambrose or convince the Masters that Ambrose had attacked him? Both seemed unlikely as he lacked real evidence. As he's working through it, his ears pick up parts of a conversation. All blue fire. Every one of them dead. Thrown around like rag dolls and a house falling to pieces around them. Whole wedding party dead as leather. Over 30 folks gutted like pigs and the place burned down in a blue flame. Both approach the storyteller when he bungles it hitting too close to the mark and indicating that he was eavesdropping. The men weren't willing to share any more information, but Quoth had heard enough. He's convinced. The Chandrian were in Treden a day ago. Quoth wastes no time, going to the bar to buy some traveling food and water for what is a 70-mile trip to Treven. But what he really needed was a horse, a fast horse, and those cost money. Off to Debbie it is, since we know Quoth is a poor boy. But before they can conduct any business, Debbie has a story she just must tell. The story of a young new Taberlin, a young Taberlin in town that had defeated two would-be robbers last night with fire and lightning, one of whom, the robbers, is still unconscious. Both comes clean without much fanfare, regretting that he's hurt them so badly and showing Debbie his wound as proof that they were after more than just his purse. Horrified at the poor work Foth has done to patch himself up, she intervenes to stitch him up. But next comes the meat of the visit. Foth asks for 20 talents. And Devi guffaws, even after offering virtually everything he has to Devi. Loot, talent pipes, everything but the thieves' lamp, which he's promised not to let anyone ever touch. Devi insists still it's just not good business. In two months, he'd owe her 35 talents in interest alone. But Quoth has a trick up his sleeve. He offers everything as before, but includes access to the archives when he finds the way in. Doing a good enough job convincing Devi that he knows there is one, just hasn't quite found it yet. She craves it. She hungers for it. And with a little more bluffing, Quoth has his 20 talents. End of chapter. Oh, dude. I get so stressed about Quoth's financial situation. <laughs> I know. Me too. <laughs> it just stresses me out. Here's here's the thing about, about this one that bothers me a little bit. Okay. When he has to borrow money for tuition, 
he doesn't have what he's paying for is the knowledge, right? Of what he's about to learn for the next semester, for the next term. Yeah. What he's getting here is a horse, right? Like a horse that's worth money. Like theoretically, theoretically, he should be able to, and we'll see in you know in one of the later chapters here, he should be able to sell that and get most of the money back and pay her back. Like he's he, banking on that. Yeah. He's getting an asset in return that should be able to retain most of its value over a short period of time. So like he should be able to pay most of this back. So it worries me less when he's doing it for something like this, sure. other than the sheer volume of the amount. Right. But he's not, you know, with with the tuition and stuff, or where he just needs money for food or whatever, he's not getting that money back. He's, you know, it's he's sunk make money somehow. Yeah. It's sunk. Yep. Sunk, sunk costs. Yep. Kind of. Um, Ish. But but it's still but it still is bothersome. I, I'm 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 equally bothered just by I don't know. Maybe my life would be a lot better if I had more of this of this cool fella in me. But like just the willingness. He had a lot going on yesterday, and he's just dropping it to just go and and chase this phantom thread, right? And, and it's. Go it's ahead. hard for me to, it's just hard for me to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. Especially because before he hears that conversation and he's, he's uh, waking up in the inn and thinking about what, la- what had happened the night before um, Rothfuss sets this whole part, this whole twist up beautifully by saying, you know, it's, he's thinking about the assassination attempt and he's like, well, I got to leave. I got to like go into hiding. And he said, I had two, but no, I had too much invested here at the university. Mm-hmm. My studies yes. notice. He never says the Chandrian stuff in, I this, know. in this phrase. I have the same note. He said, my note. studies, my vain hopes for gaining a patron, stronger hopes of entry to the archives. So I guess that's indirectly saying, cause he wants to get into the archives to learn about the Chandrian, my precious few friends, Denna. Never mentions the Chandran, but he mentions those. Like, I can't leave this life that I've put together here. Yeah. I can't leave just because someone tried to kill me. But then, like you said, at the first even vague mention of the Chandran of blue flame, he's like, done. I'm out. Yeah. See ya. Yeah. 20 talents, yeah. please. Squirrel. Yeah. 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 It's, uh, I, I guess, I'm just very considered person with those with how i make decisions like that about my life and probably, not with your probably, podcast but with with your <laughs> <no>. life <laughs> probably too probably too considered right like maybe i'd be better yeah. if I were a bit more impulsive sometimes but, we paralyze ourselves yeah yeah exactly but it's it's hard for me it's hard for me to just wait <laughs> you just made a really good case for all these reasons you can't leave uh-huh and yeah just like you said do you think one of those things was the chandrian do you think Foth has ADHD a little bit with like his ability to just hyper focus? Cause it's like when he's yeah, hyper, fo- he, he's like really focused on one thing at a yeah. time. Right. When yeah. it's, when it's getting his pipes, he is hyper focused on practicing his loot and getting that done. Yep. When it's sympathy, he's hyper focused on that hyper focused yep. on putting together those lamps. And then when this comes up, hyper focused on that yeah yeah you can see that a little bit i my uh 
my eldest Mary has has ADHD and you can kind of see mm-hmm. that you can kind of see that ability for him to just focus on this thing and really get it done and really fixate on it. Yeah. Sometimes the point of like annoyance for me, right? Sure. Sure. You got this other stuff we need to deal with over here. I'm doing this. Okay. Uh-huh. But at the same time, the other thing, like just everywhere because he is everywhere. Something like he's got a lot of responsibilities for a 15 year old kid. He actually, I think does a really good job balancing them all. Right. Like there's the sure. chapter we covered several episodes ago now where he's getting like super stressed and not sleeping enough. He's totally overtaxed, but he for he does a pretty good job of time management and like making sure he has time to get everything done. He treads water. But, yeah. Yeah. But he, but you're right, though. He does seem to kind of like fixate on a thing for a time and focus on that thing and improving it. Then he moves on to something else and focuses yeah. on improving that thing. At least and, until yeah. something is able to pull his attention, which I, hey, as I was in this reading, case it's the I wouldn't like say I researched it or anything like that. There are people that know a lot more than me. One thing I read, I wanted to ask with, with Mary, does he have difficulty like shifting attention? Like if he is hyper-focused on one thing, is it difficult for him to yeah, move on to something some, else? Sometimes, yeah. I know it's different brain... for everybody. But. His brain will just kind of get stuck there. Everyone's moved on and he's still yeah. you know, bring up the thing we were talking about five minutes ago. And you're like, well, hold on. Dude, dude, we're, we're done with that. You, <laughs> well, what you have to do is be like, you know, we don't get angry at him or anything, of course. It's Absolutely. more just like, it's Absolutely. more just like, okay, we didn't check to make sure you were following along. <laughs> did, did this last 10 minutes where we were telling you about this important thing, did you get that or do we need to go through it again? Right? Like you just have to be very upfront because it's clear his mind was still yeah was still in this other arena right yeah yeah because i was reading about that now it's difficult to shift attention and obviously that's something that we're seeing that quoth doesn't have a problem with (laughs) (laughs) no he doesn't seem to uh but he's also learned to compartmentalize his his life right yeah you know he's learned from ben that he can kind of put parts of his life behind a closed door for mm-hmm. a set amount of time to then come and yeah. open when he needs it. Right. Uh, and it's a conscious like mental exercise that he goes through to be able to do that. And he's trained himself to be able to do that. So you add that into it and that maybe explains his ability to shift focus or shift yeah. attention. Right. Yeah. It very much. So he's, he's gotten actual training on how to, split his brain into pieces to deal with things at different times. You wonder how much he just kind of casually does that. Yeah. He's gotten so good at it. It's just like, well, I got a mind over here working on Chandry and stuff in the background. Right. It's over there. It's always happening, you know, but I, 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 I've broken my brain up and, and it's separated for now. You wonder. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. In Uh, the end, everything he's worked so hard for, he's willing to give it up at the drop of a hat. His loot, no big deal which symbolizes to me that's like his passion like his loot saved his life right yeah. in in a very strong sense um pipes symbolize status to me he's yeah. willing to just like here have it i don't even care i mean it's literally it could be a career for him right like yeah. the pipes in that loot are like the, most normal people ticket, would man. just see that as his his future right like your punch so my ticket. job now i make a lot of money doing this and he's yeah just kind of you know i don't think he looks at it as like as like trading it away 
you know, I think he does look at it like collateral. He's very confident that he's going to be able to go to Trebon, probably conquer the Chandrian, right, and come back and get his loot back. He's just very confident about that kind of stuff. And so he probably just doesn't really see it as I'm willing to trade this stuff in, you know, at, at to never see again and never see again or, yeah, lose sure. it somehow. I assume. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Mm-hmm. But, but, but it, but, yeah, it's weird that he can just internalize that risk. There is risk to that, and he doesn't seem to care or see it. Yeah. You know, we we had uh, in the last episode, it was the last episode, it might have been two two ago. You had a great, um, uh, you, you noticed something uh, great in one of those chapters where we were meeting kind of all the women in Quoth's life, right? We had, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh-huh. we had, Denna and we had that was a Ari fun chat. And we had and we had Mola. It, yeah, it was a fun chat, and it's not something that like having read that chapter, I noticed like, oh yeah, they're all in here, and it's really kind of about these relationships. It was really cool how you pointed it out, but we missed Devi in that. She wasn't there. True, she wasn't in that chapter, and uh, I didn't think about that at the time either. But then when she showed up here, I was like, oh yeah, we didn't we didn't get a get a talk about her, and so I thought it would be good just to kind of talk a little bit about that too yeah she's she's one of my favorites why um i don't i don't know (laughs) it bothers me a little bit that i like her so much we'll figure it out don't make a statement like that and not back it up yeah she loves visitors right like you get the impression she's She's very lonely right and the visitors that she does does have are are business related yeah they're they're there for they're there for money and you you know, we don't get to see her interact with other customers, right? True. Is she like this with all of them? I don't know. But it feels it feels like she and Quoth have something, right? Yeah, like a little, chemistry. The chemistry of, you know, flirty nature. They're both super smart. They're, they've been at the university. They're both sympathists, um, you know, talented ones. Um, I have a feeling she wouldn't be stitching up other clients. Um, yeah that's a good way to put it like would she do that for anybody or would she just be like go see somebody (laughs) um she says she says she has a soft spot uh for what do i have it here a soft spot for charming young men bastards Uh, and broken things no (laughs) wait what are we covering yeah that's right uh but then she says but it's not on my head uh i think i know where that spot is matt That soft spot. Huh. <laughs> Where? Um, Could yeah. you be more specific? This is a family podcast. It's, oh, <laughs> <laughs> what family are we talking about? I have to catch myself so often guesting with Aaron. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like <laughs> on Legends uh, Lounge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I think um, was it our friends B and J, B and J, B and Justin said that they were listening to our podcast in the car with their kids, like driving somewhere. And I was like, Oh, yeah. Oh, don't do that. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's, well, yeah. I think they said it was fine, but I wouldn't chance it. Yeah. Uh, anyway, I think, you know, she's, she's, uh, I think part of what I like about her is she can have the fun and interaction, but when it comes to business, it's, she can draw those lines. Right. And sure. it's like, oh, it's business now. No, you, I can't do this. It's going to be 35 talents of interest. 
Like, yeah. And your heart kind of breaks for her when that transition had to happen. It talks about bit. how he she saw that disappointed. faint yeah. sense of disappointment that they were moving on to business. Yeah. And yeah, you feel for her. She's very lonely. And at the end, she offers him a slightly less amount, 12, 14 talents, can't remember which. Um, and he brings back the line that she used on him the first time. Uh, he says, oh, I'm sorry, we're not bargaining here. I'm just informing you as to the conditions of the loan, uh-huh. uh, which is a nice, a nice, nice catch. To their, nice previous, catch. their previous conversation. What do we call those in Davos Fingers, Scad? We call those reach arounds? Yeah. Because my friend doesn't apparently know what a reach around is <laughs> and thinks that a callback is a reach around. And now he lives on in infamy. She, yeah. Oh, her. Yeah. At least in the world of Davos Fingers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Hey, Mary. Uh, she doesn't listen. Also, someone with ADHD and could never. Could never listen to a three-hour podcast, <laughs> especially <laughs> one. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. ours. Yeah. <sighs> I think I think got? it's it's more? mentioned in this chapter. Do you think he could have gotten help from Kilvin about the about the attack, or to get money to go to Trebin, or? For which thing? Well, or I just suppose... in general with his life. <laughs> yeah, life advice because... would be great. Uh, yeah, th- I think that's a that's a fair question. Is like, could he felt like he couldn't be at the university anymore because of Ambrose and stuff and everything? I kind of feel like he could have stayed there. I feel like he would have had to open up a little bit to people before he went on this. Before he got distracted by the Chandrian. I, th- I think he, well, it's interesting. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> you wonder if Pat wrote this part in and made him take this trip to Trebin because he didn't know what to do next. Uh, I doubt it. I doubt that's the reason, but it feels like he was in a sticky spot, right? He's like, okay, what do I do? I can go back and maybe they'll send somebody else after me. Right. Or uh, I can leave. I don't want to leave. So what am I doing? He never solves that problem. He's stitching away at his cloak, yeah. trying to solve that problem. And then he hears the thing about the Chandrian, and so we never get there. My impression is that he would have landed on, well, I got to go back to the university. I'll just have to make it work. Right? And Maybe I start you know, living I on campus again. It's maybe. A safer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Be, with, be with people more frequently. So I'm, you know, don't stay out late. You know, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. But... But I don't know. I, I I don't know. I feel like, in general, if both were willing to ask, now asking for help is a hard thing to do. I get it, and in his situation, it's harder. But if you were willing to ask for help, I think you'd get it from all over the place. Yeah, I think Sim wouldn't hesitate. People love to just him so much. Give, give him four talents for tuition if he needs it, right? Sure. Like he has money. Like they would figure out a way to get you know to get him help. Like what if, if he, if he just... went to Kilvin and was like, Kilvin, I think you see that I have value. You see that I can build things that are going to make money for this place, but I need help. Can we work something out? Feels like Kilvin would probably want to do that. Now, can they help with the the conflict with Ambrose? I doubt it. Like that's sure. 
that's a personal thing and they'll be like figure it out man sure yeah i get that and you know kilvin can't get involved with those types of things yeah probably um in his position as a oh what is he called one of the big men on campus master Uh, yeah he's a master probably can't get involved with those things but i I do want there's just all sorts of people that could help. I mean, the, sure. um, oh gosh, I've misplaced his name now. The noble guy that can't support him as a patron, but yeah. Um, you think that guy couldn't just loan him 10 talents one day if he just needed tuition? Right. He'd, he'd do it in a heartbeat. He doesn't, nobody understands. They're not aware and observant enough to see how much financial trouble and risk this kid is facing every day. And he's so good at everything that they're just like, oh, well, seems like he's doing fine. You know, but like, there's tons of people that could help him. You don't mm-hmm. think the owners of the Aeolian aren't swimming in money? They could help him if, if he's like, if he's just like, hey, could you just float me some money and I'll pay you back? Like, I'm good for it eventually, but yeah, I just kind of need it now. Like, I feel yeah, like there's he's, lots of people that would be willing to help him. He's so good at building relationships and. He could yeah, probably charismatic. leverage those relationships a little bit. But um, it's hard to do. It's hard it to is. swallow your yeah, pride. Yeah, easier and... said than done. Totally. I understand completely. I even wonder if he would have like sat down and spilled his guts to someone like Kilvin. How Kilvin mm. would take that. Like, Yeah. This is what happened when I was a kid. Yeah, right. Right. Yeah, like don't do that to Lauren, please. But Kilvin, sure, sure. <laughs> but yeah, Kilvin, maybe. Um, you know, he has he has uh, he has a little moment with Elksadal too. I think in the mm-hmm. Medico where he's he kind of comes clean about. Yeah, he comes clean about kind of his situation and that he he has to get by on his reputation. He doesn't have much, and Elksadal doesn't help him. Um, sure, but, that's but maybe true. if he shared a little bit more, you know, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. This is all maybes. Uh, What do you think of the, you know, Debbie's not convinced, but thinks that they were really just trying to rob him, not kill him. Where did, where did you land on this? Did she convince you? Did no, are you still on the, they were trying to kill him. him? Yeah. Yeah. I get that our narrator is somewhat unreliable. Mm Mm-hmm. And has a flair for the dramatic at times. From the information that we're getting, and they were trying to they're trying to kill him. Again, they feel like the uh bumbling uh side yes. kicks of Cruella DeVille, but mm-hmm. assassination Jas- all the same. Jas- Jasper and Horace? Horace. Is that what we decided? Jasper and Horace. Yeah. Played super well in the uh, Cruella film on Disney Plus, by the way. The, I don't the remember one. though. I did see that film, but I don't remember with, them. With uh, Emma as Cruella. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Really, yeah, I like really the film well fine. Yeah. Here, here's why I, I still land on murder. It's, it's really reinforced by the example they use. Um, you know, Quoth says, I, you know, I, I think they, it's possible they were just trying to rob me, but you don't need a knife to rob someone. Or to mm-hmm. or to mm-hmm. you know send a message and pound you, right? And Deb- and Debbie says, "Yeah, I don't need I don't need someone's blood to to collect on a loan either, but it helps." And 
the thing is a knife doesn't actually help you beat someone. It makes it harder. If you're holding the knife, you got to like angle it in such a way that however you fumble them, you don't stab them. Right. Sure. So Good point. the knife actually makes it harder to give someone a beating. And that's where I land is like, there's just, there's <clears throat> really no need for the knife at all, unless they're trying to, to, to kill them. That's true. Yep. I was robbed at knife point once. In Brazil. In Brazil. How'd that, uh, how'd that go? Uh, they made a few bucks. <laughs> <laughs> you don't know who you're robbing, do you? This is a, this is a volunteer gig. I'm not being paid. No, we were under that understanding that a robbery could happen at any moment. And the idea was that you needed to have some money that you could give them. Yeah. So we'd often, you know, I'd keep, you know, 10 hay eyes in my wallet and yes. then I'd have, you know, um, another few bucks in my sock or something like that, you know? But, but, yes. Yeah. So. Yeah. That, that actually comes up in this book. Remember, uh, the chronicler gets robbed in oh, yeah, yeah. this book and he has the money in the bread or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. He's got some safe money put away, but he knows to carry enough where the guys feel like they made, they made a good, good amount and they'll leave him alone and not search him better. Correct. But, yeah. But he just kind of, it's just like a business transaction. It's like paying interest or paying for insurance yep. or something yep. yeah, similar. Anyways. But, but so was it, but was it scary or was it, was it more like a business transaction? Uh, it was kind of scary. The 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 people doing it. There were three of them. Um, they didn't, you know, just just that crazy look in the eye. Just kind of that crazy, not all there look. Mm -hmm. And I got a knife up in my belly button, basically. And yeah. I'm like, this guy would do it. This guy would stick me. Just like looking into his eyes and just seeing crazy yeah. deadness, like a mixture of crazy and dead. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. it's tricky to to. And a little bit of desperation too. Yeah, that's and scary. It's almost like you're scared and you pity the person at the same time. Like, yeah. I truly believed he didn't want to necessarily be doing that. And right. in his state of mind, he felt like he had to. And I don't know, there's a weird feeling of dread and pity. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. Here's 10 hay eyes, bud. Like, do what you got to do with it. I would have given it to you and you didn't have to stick a knife in my stomach to get it. Like, yeah. <laughs> what, what is 10 hay eyes by? Uh, 10 hay eyes would get you a meal at a food cart. Yeah. Okay. Not a lot. Yeah. Get you a hot dog and a drink maybe. Sounds delicious. Yeah. I'm not going to go and rob anybody for it. But I, <laughs> sounds delicious. Brazilian, they make a good hot dog. Yeah, I believe it. Uh, do you have anything else for this chapter? I don't, man. All right. Do you? Uh, no, no. I think I think I'm good. Um, Fine. Both of these first two chapters really they're they feel more about moving <clears throat> moving you along in the story than than sure. A whole lot of discussion points but you've got the master the master chapter there at the end oral. yeah we're gonna dive in buddy before we do uh i asked this is as you may have heard in the intro 
this is episode 150 for Matt and I. Uh, mm, we've been mm, going at this mm, thing for mm, our nine mm, and a mm, half years mm, or close. And we're only at 150, but at the and same we're time, we're at 150. <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the nature of the post I put on Twitter yesterday was like, yeah, yeah, we've lasted this long and it's really taken us a long time to get here. I mean, there are people <laughs> that started after us that are like episode 300. We've meandered. Yeah, you know, yeah, we've, yeah. Yeah, we've taken, taken our sweet yeah. time sometimes. Uh, it's a labor of I love just, for us. So yeah, we wanted to sure. keep it that way. For sure. Uh, but I just, I sent out a, a tweet just kind of asking people for kind of their, you know, their favorite moments from episodes or, or, you know, interacting with us and stuff and got, I didn't expect I'd get a lot of replies, but got a ton. And I just wanted to, I just wanted to share some of them here. It was really touching to, to get some of these responses. I'm not going to mention everything, but please know that I read every single one of them. I replied to a lot of them and it was really meaningful if you, if you replied to something Really, all of them were brought a smile to my face, but I'm sure Matt's too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people brought up Matt's music. Um, Meg Orla tweet says that every time she turns a chapter to Jamie, she she sings the song. Several, three or four mentions of the Aria song. Uh, people love it. <laughs> my least I think favorite. That one. It's like your least favorite, and you wrote not my it least like, favorite. It's you wrote it in like ten minutes or something. I, not even ten. I bet. I think I just. Yeah crapped it out one day and was like <laughs> yeah, yeah that's kind of fun it's kind of fun that there's the the most metal of all the character jingles is about a 10 year old girl like, yeah so who is one of the more metal characters really she's absolutely metal and i love her um, for it so lot lots of lots of good stuff on that yeah i'm uh, glad you guys like them glad they stuck with you chase mentioned uh that he knew we were going to be friends when we started talking about Monty Python and that reminded me that that's really kind of what started our friendship with, with Brooke from the beginning was that, you know, that dinner out where we were quoting Monty Python. Yeah. It was a group dinner up in Calgary. There was a bunch of us, but Scott and Brooke and I happened to be like at one end of the table together. Yeah. Not necessarily by choice or anything. It was just like, we ended up together at that end of the table it was before we'd really talked a lot and yeah i mean there was something i mean i think i'm pretty sure i tried to engineer to be near you guys when we went in Mm. uh so that we could sit near each other but yeah it wasn't like uh something we had complete control sure it wasn't like we were already starting about talking about a podcast or something like that nothing had even come close to anything like that those types of discussions it was we were friendly work proximity associates yeah exactly Mm mm-hmm um one one that came up from amy uh she appreciated star wars novel recommendations yeah one matt that i thought was really nice is she loved your your COVID happy music playlist (laughs) and i think that's a really good example because it just shows your positivity and willingness to give to this fandom and i i think it's just nice because a lot of people in these responses they mention things like that right of just your positivity um well our positivity sure yeah you're you're a lot more positive than me but uh abby noted that she said that she relates to my grumpy negative takes but then swoons for your positive ones afterward um you know just just a lot of really good a lot of really good there's some mentions of a song of madness several people people mentioned they enjoyed guesting with meet the calisar yeah i loved those Marcus added that he enjoyed those episodes, not just being on, he was on one, but also because 
it helped him hear more about other people in the fandom and gave him confidence and something to talk to them about because he got to know them. Uh, and so he made, you know, better friends in the fandom, which is cool. Which was, yeah, a that's lot. immensely gratifying to us because that was the reason we did it is we've got yes. so many wonderful voices in our fandom, many yeah. of them that aren't content creators, but are just as knowledgeable as any other and have just as valid and deep and fun of insights into these into these books we love. And yeah. we wanted to, you know, give them an opportunity to shine a little bit and hear their voices. And so glad that that built relationships, you know, relationships resulted from that. Several people mentioned Song of Madness. Several people mentioned The Roast uh, as yeah. well. Um, Ice and Fire Con and how, you know, we kind of inspired several people to go to Ice and Fire Con where they met, you know, best friends and things like that for life. So it's, it was really cool. I, you know, I don't want to spend any more time on it really, but just to say, you know, I one thing really rang clear about a lot of this feedback was like very little of it. It's about the podcast, the content, the coverage of right. the content of the podcast. It's more about the interactions and, you know, the, you know, the fandom itself and, you know, things like that. And so I think the friendliness, uh, things like that. So I, you know, I think that that just means a lot. Reading those things, it, it meant a lot to me, and uh, yeah, really glad that that's kind of what people think about when I ask a question like that. It's cool. I 100% agree. You've been such a great champion for Ice and Fire Con, not just for the institution itself, but because of the relationships that result from it, right? Yeah. Um, and sure. we've really had that shift in focus. I, I know I've had it personally. I remember starting out this podcast with so much pride and hubris of per, me personally, individually of being like, I want people to, you know, when they talk about people that know about a song of ice and fire, I want them to talk about Matt from Davos mm -hmm. fingers, you know, that he knows a lot. Yeah. And his insights. Are blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And. Yeah. You one let turning that go. Point, yeah. You let that go maybe a year or two in, it feels like. Yeah. If I trace it back, I think I've traced, I was thinking about this the other night as I was reading through these replies that, that you got from your post, which I'm so glad you did it. Um, I think I've traced it back to a moment and I don't know if you remember oh. this, uh, a trigger warning for, for some people in terms of, um, mass violence. Uh, we got an email. It's probably been seven, eight years ago of I, I guess we could look it up the nightclub i think it was in miami that there was a oh. mass shooting at it you remember that you remember the email we got from the guy uh, uh i think i will he had he was in the nightclub the night that the incident happened that that occurred and uh he he made it out safely but obviously the emotional toll that takes on a human being is unimaginable and he meant he wrote us a, a very nice email where he talked about when things got would get dark for him, he'd put on our podcast, right? Mm -hmm. And he'd listen to it and that would help uh that would help chase the demons away. And I think that's when things shifted for me. Like we have a real opportunity here to do more than just craft theories, you know, or yep. say something really cool. Like um 
yeah, we have an opportunity to really foster a, a place in the fandom where people feel safe and they feel loved and they feel supported and they feel heard. And yeah, I've loved running with that since then. So. Even though we can't hear you, if you're yelling at the podcast back while you're listening, we can't hear you. But because we don't remember the name of the rich guy in the end. <laughs> But we are, but we are listening. Uh, yeah, that's that's good. I do remember that email. Um, we've had we've had a few emails, you know, kind of, a lot, kind of yeah. like that, saying that. Yeah. You know, yeah, I remember somebody saying that we'd helped save their life. I remember once. Anyway, not to pat us on the back or anything like that, as much as just I don't think when you start a podcast like this, the, none of those you things, don't think about that. No. Yeah. Um, I mean, on, on a, a dumber note, there was somebody that didn't know anything about Kevin Smith. Like mm-hmm. so glad, so glad we could, we could, you know, point that out to you. I'm sure you'd have found it eventually, but, um, <laughs> yeah. There's just so so many things you don't think about when you're starting a podcast that like, that you can just have an impact on people, and it's really great. Um, yeah, it's one of the reasons. It's one of the reasons I tell people unabashedly, like, go ahead, start a podcast, like, be on a podcast, like, do it, do it for fun, and don't, you know, don't. Don't take it, you know, so seriously that you think you're going to turn your life around with it for, you know, monetarily or anything. But if you got something you want to talk about, let's hear it, there are, man. There are, there are people that want to listen to it because there are people that share those interests. And so, yep. you know, just go for it and have fun. I was thinking about the people on our Meet the Kalisar episodes, you know, Ginny and Lowe have now started a podcast. They did mm. Meet the Kalisar with us. Mm-hmm. Uh, B-Word and Steph. Did meet mm-hmm. the Kalisar episodes. They're doing a podcast now. Uh, Justin and Kat. Yeah. They're doing a podcast now. Aaron is doing Aaron a podcast well. now. Like, yeah. Your voices matter and it's cool to hear them. And it's cool to see Very. you chasing those things. Anyway. Yeah. I don't know Anyways. where I thought this segment was really going other than just, I, you know, when we got that feedback, I want to share some of it. Yeah, it's an opportunity. You know, I think 150 episodes in, it's a cool opportunity for us to kind of revel in it a little bit sure. and be proud of of where we've been. Yeah, where we proud are. a little bit and, and also thankful, right? Like we 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 have received a lot from from doing this from from everyone, right? Some so. of yeah, some of my richest relationships I have at this stage in my life come from from here, right? Totally. Yeah, you at you form first and foremost, foremost buddy. Absolutely, but, right back at you. Uh, yeah, a lot of really, really, really dear friends. Well, now that I got most of my tears out. Yeah, no kidding, bro. Uh, Shall we dive into the next chapter? Yeah, let's get right into it. <laughs> okay. Thanks everyone <laughs> for indulging in that uh, that little detour for a few minutes. Yep. Uh, chapter seventy one: Strange Attraction. Both takes his newfound riches to the closest livery and insists that the owner, Kareva, dispense with the sales tactics and skip to the end. He is very clear on the conditions. Both needs a horse, a good one, that can go for six hours today. That he will be out a considerable opportunity if the horse he buys can't perform as he expects him to. And Quoth will come back to take revenge on Kareva if he sells him a bad horse. To the tune of literally cooking him and eating him. And also, he knows good ones from bad ones, will pay top dollar for one quickly, and if he hasn't bought a horse in 10 minutes, he's going elsewhere to buy one. So don't dicker around. Even so, there are a few false starts. Kareva takes the hint, though, and shows Quoth to a true specimen, eventually. A Kershin, 
a full-blooded Kershen, all black from head to toe. And for that reason, Kerva is insisting on 20 talents for the horse. It is his price. He's not trying to negotiate. He's not trying to inflate the price. He just knows he can eventually get 20 talents for a specimen like this. When presented, Quoke can see why. He approaches the animal slowly to trade sense, make friends, and find a name, talking to him in soothing tones and making several suggestions. They land on Kethselen in Siaru, first night. Kerva is somewhat disturbed by this name, but they complete the transaction after Kerva inexplicably drops the price to 15 talents, including tack and saddle. Both can't believe his luck. Listener, if you're interested in the best way to get a horse to last 70 miles over six hours, I suggest you just go read this chapter. It's actually a lot of fun to read, but I'm not going to summarize it. Suffice to say they make the distance after crossing several streams, warming up and cooling down a bunch of times, and enjoying each other's company. Uh, That is until they come upon a tinker. Not just any tinker. A tinker with a lame donkey that needs another pack animal to carry his goods to the boat he has a spot reserved on. Both needs to get rid of his horse, and the tinker needs one. Time to bargain. Both leads uh, with the fact that he has a full-blooded kerosene with not a whisker of white on him. But the tinker laughs and points to one of Kethsalon's back legs, which is now gray. Both have bought a dyed horse. Further, Quoth Ciaro is rusty. Keth Salon means one sock. In the end, for the horse, the tack, and the saddle, Quoth ends up with quite a haul. A loading stone that the tinker insists is worth eight talents, and you can drop a pin from a handspan away and it will cling to it magnetically. A new shirt, a blanket, a bottle of brand, and three jots. Then he was on his way to Trebin, only a half mile away, according to the tinker. It was a smallish town of a hundred or so buildings, a town that wouldn't be suspicious of strangers necessarily, but would recognize you as a stranger. A town that was a mining town and a farming town that was getting ready for its fall festival with the decorations of shamble men made of clothes stuffed with leaves. The biggest building was the Tellin Church, three stories tall and decorated with a giant 10-foot-tall iron wheel hung over the door. Both makes for the inn and indicates he's looking for his cousin, but heard there was trouble with a wedding in these parts. The innkeeper, in an effort to avoid the business himself, hastily directs Quoth to the one unknown person that is upstairs that could be his cousin. The one lone survivor from this wedding. Quoth makes his way to the room, opens the door, and it's... I mean, it's Denna. Freaking Denna. They flirt a little, Quoth insisting that he came because he heard she was in trouble, but admitting it was only a pretty lie. Denna, for her part, can appreciate the lie and is just glad to see him. He notices that she has a bruised temple in addition to an arm and a sling. They quickly decide to leave the place altogether. End of chapter. I think I've said it in these uh, episodes before, but freaking Denna. Freaking Denna. Denna. Uh, would you like to elaborate? Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. It's it's weird. Um, he's traveled. Uh, he hasn't seen Denna in weeks. Uh, he's traveled seventy miles uh, to, you know, a somewhat off the beaten path. I guess I don't. Know, I suppose it's still on the road, but it's a small town. Uh, weird that he that Denna would be here. It's just Denna. It's just Denna. She shows up where you don't expect. She never is where you do expect. And I'm certain he didn't expect to see Denna there. 
I think it's because he handles it like a champ. He does. He like goes right into smooth mode. Yeah, right away. Jokes with her. They're great together. I hate how great they are together. (laughs) So I'm just such a fan of Fela. I think that's what it is. Uh, So I just. I want him to go the safe route. Fela's great. She's awesome. Oh, well. Oh, well, Scad. (laughs) Oh, well. Oh, well. Listen, we're starting uh, to move away from my from my romantic or my com- teenage coming of age story and we're starting to get story. back into fantasy and maybe I'm feeling a little resentful about it, okay? Uh, uh yeah, we get a little bit into fantasy. Uh we'll get more of that in your chapter. Uh we're moving towards chap- it for sure. <laughs> this chapter uh is about economics and then travel and then more economics. The research Patty Rothfuss must have put <laughs> yeah. into preparing for this chapter. Like, did he just know this stuff about horses? I don't know. Or did he have to yeah. talk to somebody? They're good questions. I feel like it's probably information you can get, but it's sure. probably the easiest thing <clears throat> would be to know somebody who knows somebody and have an hour long conversation about it. Yeah. And take notes. Do we I have imagine... any, do we have any like big horse people around these parts? Uh, listeners? You, you you weigh in. Tell us, did Rothfuss get it right here? Let us oh, know. Oh, I get. Oh, yeah, I guarantee we got some some listeners. That, We've uh, got to. Yeah. None of them are jumping to mind. <laughs> it's like, but we got to. Yeah. Anyway. Padme grew up with horses, but I don't think she ever took any on this kind of long term trick. So trip. So. I don't know this how she, much of... she would know about starting them off slow and controlling how much water they drink and yeah. blah, 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 blah. This is the kind of research, though, that I imagine, you know, we do have some writers for sure that uh, that we could ask. But I feel like they have to do this kind of research all the time. Sure. Where, where they're, you know, having to go have a conversation with somebody and taking some notes to to get just enough information. Um, I bet Grant had to do a ton of that for preserve credibility for I am Mercury. Yeah. Um, but, but yeah, just I, as, as dumb as it sounds like this is an enjoyable chapter. He haggles, he haggles to get a loan or he haggles to get a horse rather. He, t- he tells there us about so the much trip, haggling in the- and then he haggles again with a tinker and it's fun. It's a delightful little exchange with the tinker. Just uh-huh. almost like a little slice of humanity. Bartering, right. there's some trust in there because the tinker trusts the Rue and the Rue would never on his worst day lie to a tinker. Right. And uh, it's a nice I need something, you need something. Yeah, we're not trying to screw each other over. This is a mutually beneficial relationship. Yeah. yeah we both want to leave this thing with happy with what we need. He yeah. keeps trying to get him to take the fruit wine. He won't do it. <laughs> I don't want the I, fruit wine, old man. I don't, I don't want the want fruit wine. I'm sorry, I just don't, don't want it. I don't want the fruit wine. Um, it's almost like uh, now that he's opened that door, we talked about the doors in his mind that he's kept mm. shut, and it feels like he's shut the door to the Chandrian thing and had it shut for quite a while, right? Mm. The last, I don't know, quarter of the book at least, has yeah. there even been a mention of the Chandrian? Um, I don't think so. No. Right. Not 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 since he got shut out of the library, essentially, right? Yeah. Yeah. And now that that door's been open again, it's yeah. almost like this 
that period of his life, the things he's learned at the, from those points come flooding back out to him again, right? Uh, the dickering that, you know, mm -hmm. he attributes to his father, the easy mm -hmm. lies that he would tell yeah. that he goes back to his acting background. Um, yeah. Checking out horses was something he'd learned from his dad and yeah. being able to like identify which, what to look for in a good horse and everything. Uh, yeah. Even his mention of what leagues means. He's like, that's just something my dad <laughs> yeah. used to say. That's something just farmers say. <laughs> yeah. Cause they don't know the answer. So it gives them a lot of leeway. Yeah. <clears throat> it's almost like being on the road again, reawakens some of the Rue. No, I mean, maybe it's just coincidence. Not coincidence. He's out in a place where he can use the skills that he learned from being in the, you know, in the troop now on the road again. Um, and, you know, dickering. Yeah. It just shows the there brilliance of his mind, less. right? Yeah. Like he's, he's got a brilliant mind just to begin with innately. Mm -hmm. And then he's, he's gone under this intense training of the mind too. And it just manifests himself itself in this way that it's like he opens the door and the stuff is just waiting for him there again, for him yeah. to just pick up and use. There's no like yeah. rustiness or what did my dad say to look for in horses or like, yeah. he's just good at it immediately yes. again you know yeah we've talked before about it it seems like he kind of has a photographic memory um sure you know, to some degree and mm -hmm. yeah he just he doesn't forget things um Abinthe even said it to his parents when he was saying things come easy to him he's going to be one Good of the best out. in the world and they're nice like reach what yeah reach around he's going to be one of the best in the world and they're like at what and he's like whatever he chooses whatever to do. <laughs> like anything he just he's gonna he's gonna be good at it uh, that's partially because his mind is, you know, works the way it works. Um, but yeah, I, it was uh, pretty ballsy of the, uh, of the, the livery owner to sell him that horse, calling it a full blood when he had died the horse. Mm -hmm. And, and here's, here's, here's why it's ballsy and weird to me. He sold it to Kvothe, who was going to ride it hard that day and far away. And so maybe he thinks now he'll get away with it. But he admits that his plan was to hold on to it until a lordling came, about, came by to buy it for 20 talents. The lordling wasn't going to eventually see the horse's true color and not right. come back and like ruin his life. Lordlings have tons of time for bullshit like that. They will absolutely go back <laughs> to this true. guy and ruin his life. That's true. So I'm a little surprised he was willing to do that. Right. Do you think he'd play dumb if the guy did like, oh, well, well I, I bought it from somebody else. So yeah, I was swindled myself. Like yeah, maybe. Yeah, it's possible. I bought a dyed horse. I'm also a, we're all looking for the guy Man, who did the, this. The two of us really got screwed over, didn't we? <laughs> yeah. The two of us really got screwed over. You've seen <laughs> the meme with the guy in the hot dog outfit? We're all yeah, looking yeah, yeah. for the guy who did this. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. <sighs> there are some uh, times when I'm willing to be a bastard. I like that line from Quoth. Yes. He's talking about running the horse to death. If he needs to, if it'll get him there. Uh, I mean, another he, point towards his hyper-focus, right? Yeah. It, yeah. He loves horses. He wants to build a good relationship with his horse and everything, but if it got me close, if it meant getting to the Chandrian, I would run you to death without a second thought and 11 of your friends too. Which really uh, kind of makes the point I made in the last chapter section 
meaningless about having the asset of a horse and being able to handle the loan. Yeah. I'm thinking of it that way. Sure. Both isn't thinking about it that way, apparently, yeah. right? Like he's yeah. like, oh, I'll have to come up with 20 talents somehow because I'll run this horse to death. Right. It doesn't matter. Yeah. 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 And that makes uh, you a little bit of a bastard then, Gilear Quothy. Yeah. Especially for our animal loving friends. That's right. I didn't call it out in the chapter summary very well, but what spooked the owner to lowering the price was the fact that he misnamed him one sock and the owner thought he could tell the die job, right? So some some luck there, right? I mean, we all we both always, you know, he he has some bad luck sometimes, but also he has a pretty good share of good luck. Tremendous stumbling, like he stumbles onto a name yeah. that yeah. gives away what saved him five talents. The what the guy did, he yeah. stumbles upon Denna basically. Yes, yeah, he's he's pretty lucky. Yeah, yeah, he really is. He's also got incredibly difficult circumstances to deal with, so he's unlucky in that way as well. Having your family murdered is, you know, pretty unlucky. Okay, okay. Scad. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, in these cases, he's, he's lucky too. <laughs> he's uh, so lucky. He's so lucky. <laughs> he watched his whole family get murdered, had to live alone on the streets for like four years. Like, so lucky. <laughs> uh, he gets a load and stone for the horse. Yeah. I have heard about these before. His mom talked about, I think she called it a drawing stone um, way back, way back when. They have like 18 names for these things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but uh, so so we've we've heard of these before. It sounds like they're exceedingly rare. Um, and they're like they, magnets. They're basically magnets is what it sounds yeah. like. Yeah. He he calls it, uh, he mentions it as a, as like a star, a star rock or something. Yeah. Almost like um, it's like a little meteor. Right. And I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to that. Um, I don't think I have a note on it for Debbie After Dark. I haven't put any thought into it or researched it. But all right, friends, um, tell us. There's got to be something. There's there's yeah. significance there somewhere. Feels like it. Um, but you know, if he can really sell it for eighteen talents, like the ticker says, then uh, he's basically made his money back. That's pretty good. We're so focused on the money, like <laughs> I can't, I can't not. <laughs> it's just my nature. It's so stressful, man. Yeah. Uh, it's making me crazy. Yeah. As a man who's paid off his student loans. <laughs> just. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to note that I think we talked about it last episode, or it might've been the one before that, um, that quote frequently talks in sentences of seven words. Oh, yeah, Going yeah. back to the, the comments about uh, Debbie says there's or he says there are seven words that can make a woman fall in love with you. Uh, the first four sentences out of Quoth's mouth to Denna at the end of this chapter are seven words. And it'll come up again. Probably will. The first four sentences are all seven words. She doesn't bring it up this time or notice it, I guess. But right, you wonder now whether he's doing it on purpose, whether whether Quoth's doing it on purpose, 
whether Pat's doing it on purpose. It just happens. Or whether I'm just OCD about it now and I count every sentence length. It's because... it's going to happen. She does bring it up in the next chapter. Okay. Yeah. I forgot, apparently. She says, well, there you go, doing it again. And he's like, what? Oh. Seven oh, sentence, yeah. seven word sentences. Do you know you do that? But I didn't yeah. catch it in this chapter. So yeah. well done. Well done, OCD boy. Yeah. Yeah, it's a thing. <laughs> uh, do you have much else? Nope. Me neither. Should we move on? Yeah. We should feature a podcast. Let's do it. What do we got on tap today, Matt? It's just a time to talk about our friends. So we would we should really like come up with a little jingle or something to like introduce this segment now that we're doing. That's all I got. Everything should just have that baseline and then us whispering something. <laughs> Chapter seventy one. I could scream word of the day again. <laughs> We'll think of something. In the meantime, though, we want to feature our good friends. We've already mentioned their names once here tonight. Uh, our friends Jay and Kat over at the Animated Antics podcast. Yeah. We love them. What's that podcast about, Scatty? Uh, Animated Antics is a podcast that talks about all things animation. They'll pick another series uh, basically every episode. Uh, they've They've done multiple episodes on the same series a few times but uh they'll pick they'll they'll pick something and uh they'll talk about it and uh it's a lot of fun they did they covered the, the one of the early episodes they they did vox machina i remember listening to that one had a really good time um they've done a lot of stuff on on clone wars and rebels and things like they've that. done a few things in star wars yeah they've done tales mm -hmm. of the jedi they've done bad batch they've done uh uh, most recently, season one of the Clone Wars. That was a good episode. I had a lot of fun listening to that one. Jay and Cap. Um, they've got nine episodes out. It looks like they release them. I don't know if they pay too much attention to it, but about once a month. And they're coming up on their year mark. Their first episode was released yeah. January 9th of last year. So happy Time almost twice. anniversary, Jay and Cap. Almost uh, anniversary. Yeah, we've got Avatar The Last Airbender, Batman oh. the Animated Series. I haven't listened to that episode, Jay and Kat. I need to because that's the one Batman I love. And yeah. I know how much the two of them love Batman. So I yeah. bet it's just Kat dripping is a with huge passion. Batman fan. Yeah. She-Ra, uh, the Dragon Prince. So lots of great stuff. Did you um, really ever watch eclectic. as a family The Last Airbender? No. Oh man. No. You gotta do it. It's real good. It's real good family stuff. Is it? Oh, it's it's amazing. We've watched it twice, my family. It's really good. Really? Yeah. Yeah, it's fantastic. I can just feel the looks of disdain from <laughs> Luke, my, my oldest. We're watching what? <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't uh he doesn't get down with uh no with what animation or what? No, my son is a is a 50-year-old man, dude. Yeah. He's right. <laughs> yeah, I know he collects old things and like old technology. Yeah. He's a 50-year-old, 14-year-old. And uh well, he get along have time with Kat, for this then. kind of stuff. Because Cat feels like an old soul, isn't she? Is, she is. But Cat anyways, animated, animated antics is so much fun, guys. Uh Cat and Jay are two of the 
of the just purely sweet people of our fandom and the the their love for these series just drips through every episode um it's gooey and lovely and just great right along with fantastic insights um and they also can be found on our on our podcast they both did meet the calendar episodes did they not they did yes uh episode 108 of davos fingers that's uh that featured justin hosting with us and we covered um the stannis or the cat chapter the, right the cat peach it's the peach chapter isn't it the renly's peach yeah, yeah. yes courtney penrose peach. you get penrose yeah mm-hmm the man yeah. of many insults. Yeah. Uh, one of our all-time faves. Uh that's totally a Monty Python poll from George, right? Of <laughs> feels... the Frenchman standing up yeah, on the a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> Just curling the insults. Um, and then Kat featured with us on episode 115, where we talked about Danny Nine of A Dance with Dragons, which was the famous Drogon chapter. Oh, right? The, the orgasm of flight chapter. Correct. Yes. That's the way to describe it. Yes. Yep. I feel like she snickered when we read that part of the summary. I think it's why she picked it. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> Trixie. Trixie cat. Trixie cat. Uh, you can find these friends of ours um, on Twitter. They're at J, just the letter J. And cat with a K. So that's at J and cat one, just the number one. Uh, their podcast can be found on Spotify, I think is the easiest way to find it. But probably wherever you get your podcasts, just look up animated antics. And enjoy. It's fun. Yep. You'll have fun with it. Promise. Promise. All right. That's a Matt we... Gad guarantee. <laughs> Careful with that word. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> shall we move on to chapter 72, Matt? Yeah, let me take a breath here. <clears throat> sure. Guys, get get ready it's for a long one. Matt to talk. Um, I think I did a decent job of summarizing, but let's dive in. This was a really long chapter. The longest one we've done by... Right? Oh, yeah. Um, Probably by yeah. a bit. Yeah, I think so. It's like... I think it was 18 pages. It's long. All right. Well, it's a fun one. <clears throat> so as they left the inn where Denno was being cared for, it was clear that Kvothe had question after question about what had happened to her at the wedding. I mean, it was why he'd come all that way in the first place, right? But uh, he could perceive very quickly that Denno was in no mood to talk about it at that moment. That was okay to Kvothe, he decided, for he wasn't quite sure of how to bring up the topic of the Chandrian to his friend. Like, to a stranger, he could lie to, right? But Denna, was he, could he lie to her? No, he didn't think he really could. Was he ready to reveal that part of his history to her? No. Um, thankfully, she did feel like she'd left some items, she said, at the Mothin farm where the incident had gone down. So the two headed there and he figured he could look for answers and figure it out as he goes. Uh, as they made their way through the rolling farmland, Denna did open up about her new potential patron. You remember she left a note for Kvothe where she mentioned getting a new patron. Uh, it was an older gentleman who, although he had originally approached her, 
was a little dodgy and obsessed with his privacy. Denna was having a hard time drawing a solid bead on this guy. She didn't even know his real name for quite a while. But she said half a loaf is better than none, and she was tired of having no bread at all. Quoth was suspicious but supportive. In an attempt to lighten the situation, the two bantered about fake names for the mysterious almost patron, finally settling on Quoth's suggestion of Master Ash. As they approached the farm, the reason for Quoth's nickname for the patron became clear. The ash in the air was thick as it swirled in the wind, slightly choking the pair and getting into their eyes. Pretty soon, uh, Denna begins to open up even more. It was Master Ash, she revealed, that had asked her to go play this wedding. And after she played there for a while that night, he appeared as if from nowhere and took her on a walk in the woods, asking all sorts of questions about what the people looked like, how many there were. Was it a test, she thought, to see how observant she was? When the two, meaning Master Ash and Denna heard commotion coming from the far house, farmhouse. Master Ash told her to stay there in the woods safely while he investigated. <clears throat> After quite some time alone, however, Denna heard shouting and then screaming and decided to check it out herself. Smoke and fire was what she smelled and saw. What color was the smoke? Quoth asked impulsively. <laughs> Oops. That's kind of a weird question to ask. Uh, suddenly suspicious, Denna pauses her story to ask, why was Quoth there in the first place? In a split second, he decided he couldn't tell her yet about his quest for the Chandrian, and so he lied. The university had heard rumors about what had happened, Quoth claimed, and they sent him to investigate. He was impressed with his lie and how quickly he pulled it out, but Denna threw the BS flag right away saying she didn't believe him. <laughs> Quoth came halfway clean, revealing, I don't want to lie to you about why I'm here, but I worry what you might think if I tell you the truth. And somewhat to the surprise of this reader, Denna accepted this, uh, saying she believed that and even apologized for pushing him, saying she knows what it's like to have secrets. Okay, this reader gets it now. Denna then returned to what little was left of her story. Um, there was fire, and she reveals it was blue. Uh, seeing what must have been horrific shapes outlined against the fire, Denna turned and ran. It was dark, and she thought she must have run headlong into a tree and knocked herself out, and that was where she'd gotten the injuries. The next thing she remembered was waking up in town that morning, you know, with her injuries bandaged up. Uh, she'd not seen nor heard from Master Ash since. As she and Quoth then go to explore the farm, and as they're talking about this, Quoth couldn't help but notice, though, that the bruise was on her left temple, but it was her right arm that was bandaged. So if she'd run into a tree... It must have been a weird collision and a weird tree. But, you know, Quoth knew what it was like to have secrets, so he didn't say anything. Uh, as they approached the farmhouse, it was more ruined than gruesome. 
All the bodies, there had been 26 guests in total that had apparently been killed, had been removed, leaving nothing but charred remains of architecture, which was odd also to Kvothe. Um, the farmhouse itself, judging by its sides and outward craft craftsmanship, was obviously built by someone wealthy. But as Kvothe inspected the wood, even in its charred state, he could tell it was shoddy, like driftwood. He used sympathy to light a piece of it on fire, and it burned a normal orange, not blue. Um, Denna revealed that she'd heard talk from the townspeople that those killed were not burned, but bore knife and sword wounds. Uh, so that piqued close curiosity even more. He went to explore deeper into the home. But Denna was staunch in her refusal to let him go deeply into the home, saying it could collapse on him at any moment. And eventually, Kvothe gave up, frustrated. He knew there was more to all this, but there just weren't enough clues. And he didn't really know what he was looking for anyway. Um, so getting ready to continue their search for Denna's things, and as it turns out, for Master Ash, because she didn't really know where he ended up. Maybe he was injured somewhere. Um Kvothe went to fill his water bottle from what Denna said was a new water pump the farmer had just installed on the property. But when he pushed down on the handle of the pump, it broke off easily in his hand. And he noticed it was rusted through to the center and crumbling. Crumbling. Just like the steel bands on the wagon wheel he touched all those years ago when his troop had been killed. Whoa. When he went to sit down on the water trough under the pump, it easily crumbled beneath his weight and he fell to the ground. Wow. It hit Quoth at that moment that what he'd seen following the death of everyone he loved, the Chandrian, wasn't some grief or trauma-stricken dream his mind had conjured up to deal with the loss of his family. It was real. This to him showed that the Chandrian were real. What do you think happened here? He asked Denna, truthfully. She admits it was something bad. And at that, Quoth began to sing the children's song. And Denna joined in at the chorus. Uh, I was meant to have that up, but I don't have it. That's okay. It was a children's woman, song about the camp. Pale as snow, silent come and silent go. What's their plan? What's their plan? Chandrian, Chandrian. Thank you, Skad. Quo mm -hmm. still kept the story of his family from Denna, but revealed to her his desires to find more and learn more about the Chandrian. To his surprise, Denna was sympathetic and willing to help. But without an idea of where to start, they decided to continue their search for Master Ash, who, you know, maybe if they find him, he has some information of his own that uh, could help direct their search. But all of this proved rather fruitless. They couldn't find him. They couldn't find any more clues. But the experience was not worthless, as the two of them end up at a beautiful babbling stream where they refreshed, drank, ate, and laughed. Dennis sings a little song for Quoth that he keeps to himself and does not reveal to the writer of this tale. And that's the end of the chapter. Indeed it is. So, you got you got your you got your coming of age teen drama there at the end with the little baiting pool. I loved that man. I I tell you, dude, I've told you before. 
I would take reading this book just just to read about Quoth growing up and going through <laughs> life. <laughs> Leave all the fantasy stuff out. Yeah, just take all of it out. Just him living his life. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 one of the things that people say a lot about about these books, this series, and and Pat as an author in general is just, you know, he's chosen to write fantasy, but he could write anything, right? Yeah, I, it did, you know, like he'd write historical fiction, he could write nonfiction, he could, you know, like I feel like he could probably weave these stories of any kind he wanted. He just you know, I'm lucky that he chose to do to do fantasy. Yeah. It's interesting. It's still interesting to me about the the um the reverence that Quoth holds towards Denna. Hmm. Um compared to everything else in his life. Right. We talked about just how impulsive he was to just go out and look for the Chandra. Now he's willing to drop things to go and chase after something else. But he says, men flocked around Denna, and I knew from our conversations how tiresome she found them. I couldn't bear the thought of making the same mistakes they made. It was better not to risk offending her, better to be safe. As I've said before, there's a great difference between being fearless and being brave. Everything yeah. else in his life, it's... 20 talents. I'll figure it out later with Denna. Right. It's absolute care and safe route. And yep. Yeah. Right. And even the song, the the quote, I love the quote, quote, I almost said the quote. That's word of the day. When we're, when it's a quote from quote, it's a quote. <laughs> it's a quote. quote. <laughs> I will not repeat it here as she sang to me, not to you. And since this is not the story of two young lovers meeting by the river, oh, I wish it was, uh, it has no particular place here, and I will keep it to myself, Quoth says. Yeah, it's, it's a little sweet, keeping part of the story for himself, I guess. Yeah. You wonder whether whether Chronicle Chronicler writes that down or just skips it. <laughs> right. Like, all right, fine. Then I won't put it in okay, then I won't put it in. Yeah. He purposefully held back a song from me. <laughs> or Chronicler do? Yes. Is Den is a little bit? Um, I like her fine. I actually like her quite a bit. Yeah, but great character. I I don't like the. You know, you you were just talking about how how cautious Quote is because you know here's how. She talks about the way other men talk to her and treat her and question her. Yeah. The specific thing they're referring to in this case is he's interested in questions about why she's there, what happened, things like that. And he heard how she had just talked about the men asking her questions. Yeah. Um, but the questions that they're asking, what did you see and why were you there? What happened? Like, these are legitimate questions that a townsperson would want to know about a tragedy in their town yeah. and you feeling put out by it sucks, Denna. Sorry, <laughs> not sorry. These are not ridiculous questions they're asking you and you shouldn't feel slighted by them or hurt or badgered. They're legitimate questions. Yeah, now, they're not singling you out. No. Necessarily. They would ask it of any lone survivor, right? Now, sure. And I get... She has a history of being badgered. And so it's maybe triggering in a way to her that way. But like yeah. 
she felt a little taken advantage of. There was some, sure. un, you know, non-consensual touching and things like that. that well, that's was, right. Yeah. That, of course, none of that is okay. Sure. I just like the sharing of information feels like she's smart enough that she should be able to separate these two kinds of things out. There's an there investigation was a going here on. Yeah. That they need information about, or, you know, this guy wants to hedge me in and control me. Those are different circumstances. Sure. Right. Yeah. It's kind of, I don't know. I, it really irked me a little bit. Right. No, I get it. Now, now, see what you're saying. now, Quoth asking those same questions. I think she could turn it around that way and it would be legitimate. But the people in the town asking those questions feels like she should just be like, yeah, okay, I'll, I'll do my best to share what I know. Right. Well, and the fact that it, it was a small town where it talks about everyone kind of knows everybody. She's a stranger. She's the only one that survived. It's not right, but you can maybe understand why there would be even more suspicion that the one survivor is someone we don't even know. And Mm -hmm. yes. Yeah. I see what you're saying, man. Also, when you put it like that, if, if they were asking in accusatory ways, sure. Then I can see why that would put you off. Right. Yeah. Like, well, what are you saying? What are you saying? Yeah. 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 Right. And God love both. How quickly did you kill them all? Yeah, <laughs> that question would be a little, a little off-putting. Did you use a knife or a sword when you killed them? <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. yeah. yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah. Uh, do you want to unpack a spinster with a mouth like a cat's ass? <laughs> so when I think about that, I think about the little, the little, little <laughs> circle, the little cornhole. So, <laughs> so I didn't know whether she's referring to because this is a Davos fingers discussion right here. Yeah, here we go. Uh, I didn't what, know whether she was referring to like the shape and like an old woman that's like, yeah, like ooh. like puckered, like yeah. like like a small mouth, like puckered uh-huh. and old and wrinkly, like a cat's ass, mm-hmm. or whether she was actually like referring to like a smell problem, or like, do you think it's just the shape? The shape came to mind for me. I, yeah. Okay. I think the smell's a very legitimate point to add to this, though. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> crude matter, Skid. Crude matter. matter. I've never smelled a cat's ass, Matt. I'm more of a dog person, but cats do kind of, you know, walk up with their tails up, right? And sometimes it's like more visible, maybe easy. I don't know. I don't know. I don't like know. What they're I'm presenting about. it to us. Yes, and I'm just not an animal person, dude. And I know yeah. a lot of people don't like that, but I'm just not. Uh, we actually like have a pet food. now. We actually Uh-oh. have a pet. We we allowed Chewy. All he wanted for his birthday was a fish. Like he's like okay. he's given up on any other pet uh-huh. because we're the meanest parents in the whole world, and we're just like, no, nah, we're not getting a pet, dude. We're, we're and it's almost like he's like, I will take a fish if you will just let me get a fish. <laughs> like I will take the fish. My kids say similar things, yeah. <laughs> and and so we did. We said we gave him a fish. And, and he he got one for his birthday, so we now is, have a fish. And is it still alive? That's it is. Good. We went to the nines for this fish. We got him a okay. really nice tank, way bigger uh-huh. than this one fish needs. Yeah. All sorts of little decor and fun things mm-hmm. in there. We good. got this the light. We got the water heater. We got the filter. We got you know. What kind of fish is it? 
It's a beta fish. It's a red and oh, blue beta. beta. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember betas. Just don't get two of them. Yep. That's who's like, this tank's <laughs> big enough for two. Yeah. <laughs> Not for long. <laughs> <laughs> it could be entertaining. <laughs> betas have a tendency to just sit around. So if you want to see uh, some action, we could throw a couple in there and you'll get a you'll get some fun times for a little bit. Uh, uh you ever can you can you imagine being in love with someone like Cloth is and just being afraid they're gonna disappear if you stay in an inn for two minutes? Right. Can you imagine like it just feels being so stressful? So insecure about it, like that, yeah. that they're just not gonna be around. I think that's why I'm so you into like out of your sight for two minutes. Yeah. Yeah. She seems like stable and like more than stable like she's she seeks him out like she, yeah. the offers she gives him that he just ignores or misses the cue on are yeah stuff will like astounding. this one because she's a f- fellow spice girls fan but the the spice girls song say you'll be there say you'll be there i've given you everything all that joy can bring this i swear all that i want from you is a promise that you'll be there I'm just... yeah i want you <laughs> terrified <laughs> spice girls are just i mean i'm not a big pop guy to begin with but the spice girls you're not I never i never understood the spice right girls. uh I, yeah a logical mind wouldn't well okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah. i mean that as a compliment well, yeah i mean i, I, as I, a think, I think i I think I think you did. I feel like uh, you didn't. <laughs> <laughs> Took me a minute. But I, I think I got there. Uh, <laughs> how do you feel about Paul's willingness to just lie to this person that he loves? I don't know, man. Uh, it goes back to the safety thing. Mm-hmm. Right. And the insecurity that you mentioned. Yeah. He's so worried about losing her. Mm-hmm. He'll lie. I think that's a very relatable feeling. I think that's a very relatable feeling. I guess it's, it, it, yeah. It's interesting because we were talking in the first chapter on this episode about how. Chandrian, drop everything. All these things that he listed about school. Den is there, kind of there. Uh, you know, the school stuff is important, getting back in the archives, all these things that, you know, the, the music, all these things that are kind of keeping me in this life. And then he gets the Chandrian thing and he upsets the whole life and just goes chasing this thing. Then he gets there and Den is there and he's got, you know, we talk about how we can like hyper focus. Well, now he's got, oh, there's two, there's two now. I got to manage both of them. Right? Den is super yeah. important. Chandrian mm-hmm. want to find answers. So it's like in his head, I imagine it's like, okay, what is my goal? I want answers for the Chandrian. I need to impress or at least not spook this girl. I don't want her thinking I'm an idiot and believe in fairy tales. I can't but lose I do. her. Yep. <laughs> and I can't, I don't want to lose her. So like, what's my priority? And so he tries to thread that needle right to get both to try to like wheedle the answers out while you know not giving away the game 
to her, but it's kind of not his style. Like he's usually like very direct and goes for it on the one thing that he's going for. Right. Right. Yeah, that's true. And in the end, honesty ends up being the best policy. (laughs) Well, partial honesty. Yeah. Although I, you know, I wonder if, um, had he been honest the first time when they're, you know, when, she's asking him what he's there for if he had been honest about the chandry and all that stuff before they'd actually gone to the house and seen all the wreckage and stuff Uh would it have worked the same way would that honesty have paid off earlier or did she kind of need to see the stuff and come to some of that on her own before she would have been ready to hear it so what you're saying is maybe she needed to maybe she needed to see him lie to see how important this kind of was to him how much that's he not didn't what I'm want to talk about it. That's not what I'm saying, but I, I think that there's a component in there that that could be part of it too. Um, what I'm saying is she wasn't ready to hear the truth yet when he lied. I'm not excusing mm. that he lied, but maybe she wasn't ready to hear it yet. But then after they go and experience the farm. Oh, the farm. Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, yeah. she's, then she's ready, more ready to hear it. And so he can, mm-hmm. he can be truthful about it. But gotcha. I also do love how she just calls him out. She's like, you're so full of shit. <laughs> and it's right after like a paragraph or two of him being like, I pulled off a sweet lie. Like yeah. I did it this way. You know, I learned this from my dad. Who's a master liar and storyteller. My, my performance is flawless. <laughs> you're so full of shit. Like <laughs> immediately. Great. It's great. It's great. Um, Is that seven words? So full of shit. You're so full of horse. If if it's you are, then it's seven. If we're contracted to your, then uh, it's only yeah. six. <laughs> Is it lame that I'm looking it up to find out? A little bit. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed. I'm obsessed. With <laughs> I love that you are. Killing me. It's killing um, me. I like I like the the eating all of the apple conversation. That was cute. Yes. And also symbolic, right? It's like yes. Quoth ate all the apple. Denna in turn eats all of the apple. And that's when she is ready to follow him, right? Mm-hmm. And or at least support him. Not follow him, but be there with him through this quest that he has, even not knowing at all. She's like, I'm all in. I ate all the apple. I'm all in. Mm-hmm. Right. I like that. Yeah. And that's really sweet. Sometimes we still just refer to Denna as this like elusive thing that's just going to be gone from close life at any second. And so it's it's telling that she's like, oh, I'm going to be here for you, man. Yeah. I'm going to be here for you. Let's do this. You want answers. I'm going to help you find them. And yet he's still terrified of scaring her away. I'm I mean I'm not completely on board just judging by the track record. Yeah. So yeah. we'll have to see. What did Another you think? Another little coming of age uh romance romance piece. They mentioned that uh I think she stumbles or something and she rests his hand, her hand on his arm and keeps it there and he says that he was just afraid to move because <laughs> he didn't want to startle the bird away. You could like, totally picture that in your head, couldn't you? Yeah, I remember driving home my girlfriend's car. I was driving her car, a little red, sportyish 
piece of crap. I can't remember. Hyundai something. I don't know. Uh, her head was on my lap as I drove. Just on my lap, Matt. Not no funny business. This was a this was a goody goody LDS girl. Okay, there was nothing untoward happening. I didn't say a thing, dude. I saw it on your face. <laughs> she was resting. Music was on. I was singing, and I just drove around extra. I was like, I didn't want, I didn't want that head to move. And she, yeah, she's she can't see. She was content. She's like, you missed she, yeah. a turn. Like, no, yeah, that's yeah. sweet, man. Yeah, but I think that's very. I I don't know if we all have had it, but it's it's a very like okay. I just want to keep this the way it is for now. Yeah, I don't want to mess. I don't want to mess this up. This is nice. Yeah. Oh, that's a beautiful. You went to Matt Nathanson with me. I did. My favorite song by him is called Suspended. And in that chorus, he says, all I want to be is that minute that you hold me in. Mm. Right? Mm-hmm. And that's kind of a it's, a, it's a hard lyric for me to wrap my head around. But you describe in a moment like that, it's like, that's what it is, right? You just want to hold on to that. You're afraid of letting it go. I don't want to ruin that lyric for you, but it sounds a little sexual too. I think it is, but he's a, yeah, yeah you he's might a, have picked it up got as, some, at the concert. Some he's, entendre. Yeah. He's into that kind of thing for sure. Yeah. I love that guy. It was a good concert. That was a good memory. Yeah. It was fun. Annabelle had me laughing. Uh, the first name that both comes up with for, Dennis Patron oh, yeah. is Annabelle. <laughs> and I think the main reason I laughed is because you can almost hear that scene playing out and how quick Quoth is with the answer. Patrick doesn't, he doesn't leave anything in between. It's just like immediately she says, you're good at naming things. Annabelle, like immediately. <laughs> Don't they teach naming at that school? Annabelle. Annabelle. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, what did you think of the way that, you know, this all comes um, not crashing down, but it all hits Quoth, you know, with the rusted pump handle and that callback to that moment that seemed yeah. a little innocuous at, at the time back when we read it, uh, but now becomes kind of that major linchpin to his understanding of what happened at the farm. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's pretty brilliant the way Pat does this. Um, you know, you and I, know and remember the signs because we read this book you know this section of this book a few months ago and so we remember the wheel at the campsite and we remember the rusting things and we know the signs and things and we also know because we read it that quote's brain was asleep for a while and that he forgot some things and that um you know it his brain had to reawake the same way when he heard the story um you know in the inn from um Oh, his name, his name is flowing my brain now. I blame the COVID. Um, <laughs> but he heard the he heard the, the creation war story, right? But still he says in there was something missing. There's still something on the fringe of my brain that I I couldn't place that, that belonged with that story somehow. And then he's huddling in the corner in Tarbine in a, in an alley and he just sees a robed figure that like looks at him, but because of the shadow, he can't see him. And he's reminded of the Chandrian, and that kind of unlocks his brain. I think he'd kind of forgotten about the specific part, the wheel, you know, and the and the rust and the rotted wood. He'd kind of forgotten about that, and then it just kind of hit him again. 
right? And, and Pat handled it in a similar way in this uh, in this chapter. It's good storytelling. I, I like the way he does it. Um, but, you know, Quoth had locked that away. It had been years since that happened. I think he forgot part of it. But I really like it. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't know if I answered your question. You absolutely did. And I like that. Um, I like the idea of locking it away. We also have it revealed to us here, and I don't remember picking up on this before, that maybe with the passage of time, he he intimates right here that he had actually started to question yeah. whether he'd actually even seen the Chandrian. Yeah. Right? That maybe it was a trauma-driven hallucination or something that he'd had. Yeah, that'd be a really hard, a really hard thing. You could see that in a movie. You could see that being a, a place where, you know, the character like breaks down and starts crying mm-hmm. because they're like they were, you know, just on the edge of their of their brain from flipping to being like that wasn't real. That didn't happen. And then and then having it confirmed just kind of breaks them sometimes. And it, yeah, I don't, I don't you know, he doesn't cry or whatever, but you know, he he very much kind of breaks down, right? And in a, in a similar fashion of realizing that this was, it really is real. Like this is, this is something tangible to chase, right? Yeah. Not something that I'm, you know, Lauren wasn't right. These aren't fairy tales. These are, the, it is, this is worth chasing. It's right. real. Yeah. And I will never have like a normal life. I wonder if there was a part of him that was, like I'm gonna finish my studies at the university. Yeah, you know, music will probably play a role in my life, and I'll go yeah. on and yeah. yeah. And then we're in Debbie after dark for sure, but that's not gonna yeah. be the case. It's I think, yeah, I think it won't. It, he's choosing not to let it be the case from his end, I guess, right? Um, sure 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 you 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 could you could choose for your part to still walk away from this absolutely but he can't but he He can't yeah he he won't or can't yeah Mm -hmm. Yeah. so he uh he lights the tile on fire and it's orange Mm-hmm. Dennett has confirmed that the fire was blue. Mm-hmm. It's orange now. <clears throat> we kind of discussed an earlier episode about blue fire and what kind of like what it means. There's all sorts of sciency reasons, you know, that that could be true. Blue fires are burning hotter. You know, it might just be that when the Chandrian are around, it's hotter, right? Or that they, um, it's extra presence of Scientists, if I get this wrong, you know, let me know. I'm not perfect, but extra presence of hydrocarbon that is completely combusting. That's when you get blue flame. Mm. So maybe the Chandrian introduce some sort of chemical. Oh, yeah. Ba- unbalance, right? Um, copper. Copper is a thing in these books, right? We had uh, Cybersalian, the, the copper lined window that Aloden is dealing with. Copper, copper locks. There's all sorts of coppers. Copper's a thing with naming. Right. And copper compounds turn blue when they burn. Hmm. Um, so that's interesting. Um, 
so anyway, I guess what I'm saying is, um, I wonder if it's not, it's, it's not that the Chandrian make purposefully make blue flame, but I wonder if normal flame turns blue because of their presence in some thing, some state they're bringing with them. Right. Sure. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and it's wafer thin, wafer thin. How does but, that, uh, does that at all connect to the rust and making these normally well, hardy elements become fragile? It may. Yeah. Right. It may. I mean, they, they talk about, um, um, back when Abanthe and when, um, Arladin was trying to get details from Abanthe about the Chandrian, right, for his song. Mm -hmm. And they talk about um, uh, his wife, uh, Lorian. Lorian, I think. It's been a bit since she's been around. Uh, she talks about how there are seven signs, one for each Chandrian. And they even, they go through and they're like, well, maybe there's just seven total signs you only need one of them for the seven signs or maybe it's one per chandrian and so not all the signs always show up because not all of them are always there at the same time i don't know if you remember any of that conversation but um, it's been a bit for it sure. could be that each one of them brings <clears throat> some of these destabilizing forces or something like you're talking about one of them rots wood one of them rusts copper mm, one of them mm -hmm, brings mm -hmm. brings the carbon that makes the flame blue one mm -hmm. of the, you know, like one of them brings light, I don't know, lightning or something, right? <clears throat> Again, I don't, I don't know, but it's, it's an interesting idea that totally. these signs come one from each one and maybe they are kind of all you know, elemental in, in some way. Yeah. No further questions. I have a billion, but I, <laughs> but, but we don't have any answers, so it feels silly to ask them. Um, yeah, just just like wins. I just I just want more books to answer some of these questions. Well, uh, if you want, if you're looking for a finished series, go read Star Wars Legends, Scad. <laughs> that's right, and they they were able to get 19 books out. So I just finished it yesterday, and I'm coming tomorrow. Yay! With, uh, I'm so excited. I'm excited to hear it. K2. I haven't listened yeah. to your episode yet. I still need to. What? I know. I know. Get on that. Um. What else you got? You got more stuff here? I actually don't really have it's, much. It's more. a good chapter. It is. Uh. There's some beautiful writing. I love pointing out some of just Rothfuss's. Just the way he writes is so simple yet lovely. Yeah. And so relatable. He oh, says about Denna, lovely as the moon, not flawless, perhaps, but perfect. And that's just the best line. Not flawless, line. but perfect. Right? Yeah. We're perfect in our imperfections. Sure. Yeah. Hmm. Um, I want to talk about Ash real quick. Um, mm. And Only the tall oaks were still holding all their leaves like self-conscious old men. That's such a great line. Yeah. Totally master act. Self-conscious old men. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he gets a leaf in his mouth. It's an ash from an ash tree. That's where he comes up with the name. 
but yep. there's also ash everywhere around the farm. Denna literally gets ash in her eyes, right? Like she's literally blinded by him. Mm. More in dad, mm. maybe, mm-hmm. but like he's I see. This mm-hmm. this guy is I mean, most people operating in secret are not, you know, not great, not good news, usually, right? She's literally blinded by this guy. By by Ash in the scene and by him in her life. Sure. Somehow. Yeah. I like and it. There's, and there's something to that. Yeah. Um, um, and then the rest of it probably has to stay for for Debbie after dark. Yeah. Is it time then? Uh One more thing, just uh, a note here. It agrees kind of with what you said before um, about how careful he treats Denna. Mm-hmm. Um, it's somewhat ironic because she says to him directly, I don't need much delicacy as a rule. And he's, yeah, he treats her like she needs to be treated with absolute delicacy, right? Yeah. And she doesn't feel that way about herself at all. It's interesting. It's like, I can handle it, man. Yeah. It's an interesting thought. Does Quoth see Denna as an object for him to lose? Or is it an honest concern for her for her him wanting her to feel safe? You know? In a world where, as Darioth had pointed out, she doesn't feel very safe uh, all the time, despite what she says to the, like, I can handle it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but she's always running. So maybe she doesn't always feel as safe as she says she does, um, or she feels she needs to get herself to safety. <clears throat> is he, you know what I'm saying? Is he, do? is he, is, is she an object for him to lose? Or is he honestly, concerned like i want to give her a place where she feels safe you know is it a bit of both is there room for both yeah i mean you're talking about like his intent right like what i, I uh-huh. think right yeah is there a little his, bit of self his underlying there? motivation right um man it's a good it's a good question i mean i so love is uh it can be both the most selfless thing and the most selfish and, and, and the most selfish thing, right? Like um, the most, you know, caustic or negative or sarcastic way you can look at love is, you know, not that I love you, but that I love the way you make me feel about myself. Right? Sure. Probably, I didn't make that up. Probably heard that a bunch of times elsewhere. Um, You know, how much is, my love for someone really about making myself feel good. Yeah. It's about how I I feel feel so good around them. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, you can, you can mess yourself up real good dwelling on that question for too long. How many of my, how many of my feelings are noble toward this person versus, you know, I like the way they make me feel. Yeah. Right. And I don't care to spend a lot of time thinking about that because it can scary. You can get dark pretty quick, right? Totes. And hundred percent. I think 
that Quoth has good intentions for Denna. I think the conversation with Diok that we saw a few chapters ago lends itself to that as well, that that, that conversation moved him in that direction to some degree, right? And I think he sees her as someone to be protected. I think he sees her as someone that, you know, deserves to have someone treat her well. But also, yeah, it does feel a little bit like this is mine and I've got to make sure I can keep it. Right. It's like, she's not yours, you know? Yeah. But it's the way you put that is the first time we've had people in the fandom that don't like these books that have kind of talked to me about it. And they've called him, they've called Quoth uh, an incel, right? They're like, he doesn't treat her with respect. He treats her like an object. And I've never kind of really seen that, but the way you phrase that question makes me see it a little bit in this instance, right? Of always being so worried to lose it. It's like, well, she's not yours to lose. She's her own person to make her own choices. Um, so I can see it a little bit there, but yeah. in general, it's I think his intentions totally are good. And if, yeah. if we, if we measure people by their intentions, it's, it's usually the best we can do. <laughs> Right. Well said. Well said. And and given him a little bit of grace to not really, in the sense that he doesn't understand maybe completely what he's feeling. He hasn't been able to fully process his emotions regarding yeah. Denna, which is part of the allure to him. He's yeah. so good at being able to comprehend things and wrap his mind around things. And yeah. he can't wrap his mind around the way he feels about her completely it's and it's a really hard thing with this series because we can't we ran into this all the time in in asloff right like we constantly say things like she's 10 like give her a break you know like they don't they don't know how to process the world properly but the way this story is told with the narrator telling the story from the end and giving himself so much credit as a youth that he can do all these things we're trained to be like, no, Quoth gets everything. So like, it's it's hard to draw a line and be like, oh, well, he doesn't get this. He doesn't yep. get relationships. He doesn't get, well, why not? He not Dennis. He doesn't get Dennis. <laughs> right. It's hard. Or his feelings hard. towards Dennis, at least. Yeah. But it's hard. I think it's hard for the audience to to know where to draw sure. that line. Sure. Absolutely. Where, where, do, where do we stop giving him credit for knowing everything and be like, oh, yeah, well, he's just a kid. He doesn't know that part. Yeah. He's but, just trying. Yeah, to, he's yeah. fifteen. He doesn't know. He doesn't know how relationships work. So, well, and, and there's that person that that sometimes just befuddles you, right? And it wouldn't have matter oh, if yeah. he was fifteen or twenty five or thirty five. Yeah, he he wouldn't understand these feelings that he's feeling towards her. At the same time, it's like I don't understand, but I don't want to lose it. Like yeah, like like uh, like uh, Ron Swanson and. Uh, the wife Tammy. makes him crazy. Tammy too. Yeah, Tammy too. <laughs> that just like he just loses himself around. Like he can't, he can't figure it out. He can't fight it, but he can't defeat it either. Like if he's exposed, he like has to like walk himself away and not be, right. not be around her. Ron, what just happened just to your mustache? Thing. It rubbed off from <laughs> friction. <laughs> and he comes in like braided his hair. Like, Gordon's happening. In a kimono. <laughs> uh, if you guys haven't seen Parks and Rec, oh man, so good. I always say you so got to get through good. like the first, 
I don't know what it is, 15 episodes or so that are rough, but it's the turning point is I've said it before here too, is uh, the episode in season two, I think it's episode seven. I've watched it so many times. I know, which is actually the first Tammy two episode. That, That to me is the point where parks takes off. Yeah. It feels like when they introduce Adam Scott and Rob Lowe, Rob Lowe is when it kind of sure starts to turn. And I think that's at the end of season two. So yeah, yeah. I don't know it as well as you do though. I only watched it the once. So. Ooh. Yeah. You're due then you're due brother. You firefly another go. Ooh. Uh, You've watched that a few times. Twice. Oh, that's it. Uh, should we go into Debbie after dark? Yeah, I think we've been towing that line, anyways. Still, we've been towing it. Yeah, yeah. let's jump yeah. in. Well, everyone, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, we've had a great time here tonight. If this is where you leave us, uh, thanks for joining us. We're glad to have had you along for the ride. I hope that after you've read the books and feel good about participating in spoilery discussion you'll come back and listen to the rest of this episode because i'm sure it's going to be great but if you are trying to avoid spoilers stop listening right now right now turn it off uh and we'll catch you for the next one after our holiday break tbd tbd (laughs) sometime next year yep yep debbie after dog I feel like the, the the glut of the good stuff is in Border Rail. Sure. Dealing with the Chandrian things. Um, but where do you have some place you'd like to start? Man, we've talked about Quoth's lie. Denna's lie is fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. How's um, that? The fact you're talking that about, she you're would. talking about the tree. You're talking about the tree comment. Yeah, what her role is in all of this. He goes chasing after the Chandrian, and she happens to be there. She keeps popping up in his life. It felt a little serendipitous before. Now it feels funny. Like when you climb the rope in gym class. Like when you climb the rope in gym class. Um. So... Why is she lying? What happened to her? Is she lying because a traumatic experience happened? Are they both sharing these traumatic experiences with the Chandrian that they feel they have to lie about now? Right? He has one that he doesn't yeah. want to tell her about. She has one that she doesn't want to tell him about. Did yeah. she see Haliax and all of that stuff like he did? Just in a different setting. And now she feels like she can't talk about it. So she made up this story about running into a tree. Or is it? that she is intentionally maliciously perhaps hiding something from him in pirates of the caribbean jeffrey rush says to uh here nightly uh i like it already you'd best start believing in ghost stories miss you're in one Mm -hmm. great line and i might have i paraphrased it i think you got it completely right but uh i think ash is um, one of the Chandrian. Yeah. And she's currently dealing with the Chandrian. I don't think mm. she knows it. Oh, okay. I don't 
think she knows it, but I think I think she maybe might be starting to put it together. Um, they land on the name Ash. Yeah. You know what cinders produce? Ash. Nailed it. Cinder being um, the real menacing guy with the perfect smile that's terrifying. The smile. And the sword and the, yeah. Like Joker kind of. Um, <clears throat> anyway, this is not, you know, there's theories all over the place about, about Ash being a Chandrian. It's not my, it's not my thing. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's, I think the, I think the Ash getting in her eye, um, blinding her is meant to be kind of a, a thing. Um, you know, we, we know that the Chandrian did, <laughs> did, did the dirty work, or we feel like we know the Chandrian did the dirty work of the farm. Ash is a Chandrian. Ash created the fire. Ash fire creates ash. Cinders create ash. It's all, it's all related. So I feel like he's a Chandrian. I feel like maybe she's probably starting to put that, maybe starting to put that together, but doesn't want to be honest with it. Sure. And also, and also probably has similar feelings about, believing in fairy stories and being in one that she doesn't want to share with Quoth and feel like an idiot. For as much as Quoth is worried about looking like an idiot in front of her and scaring her off, I think she similarly thinks highly of Quoth and doesn't really want to, doesn't want him to have a bad opinion of her. They have something very special, something very, at least, at least unique to her. None of her relationships with men are like this. Right. And she doesn't want to lose that. Whether it's love for her or not, you know, I don't know, but she doesn't want to lose what she maybe has. She doesn't think, completely understand. Yeah. We've yeah talked a lot about both side of it. Sure. And, and so probably she has similar feelings of not wanting to, not wanting to, you know, bear all of her leaves like the gentleman Oaks. <laughs> so um, why, well, why Denna then was, is, yeah. Is the Chandrian attempting to get to Quoth through her? Why do they? Why would they need to use her? If so, yeah. why can't they just go direct to him? Yeah. You know? So I have two ideas on this, and I didn't go kind of confirm them all throughout the internet's and, and find out which things are already out there and which aren't. Mm. I probably missed things in in not being very thorough as well. And yeah. Uh, Darioth's probably just screaming, listening, screaming at us to be more thorough, but um as he listens to these things, but crude matter, baby. Two, 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 two ideas on that. So first that the Chandrian know about Cloth. They've heard, they've heard the legends at school. They know there was a loose end that they didn't get to tie up. And maybe they've done enough research and finding out that they actually know that Cloth is at the school. Um you know, that they Maybe even they spied on his pipes session that they watched he mm-hmm. and Denna talk afterward. Yeah. Uh, spied on them. Uh, uh, maybe even was aware of, the, you know, the dates they've had. Sees this thing progressing. Knows that they're connected. That's creepy. Connection. Yeah. That Quoth, they know that Quoth misses the lunch date. And when he does, they step in while Denna's pining away, right? Uh, and And they create a relationship with her in order to get 
at Quoth, in which case, it, and where to me this kind of falls apart a little bit, um, okay, they take Denna up to the farm, it's going to be butchery, maybe they're even expecting Quoth to hear about it and come running to like, I don't know, set a trap or something. But where that falls apart is that nothing happens from it. Nothing comes of it, right? Yeah. So like you got to look for some other They're there. They're like, alone. Why not? Why not do so? Yeah, if they want to tie it up, if they want to tie it up, tie it up. So maybe Ash, you know, Cinder was, if Ash is Cinder, Cinder was a cruel, a cruel <laughs> guy. In fact, he gets called out uh, by... Um, the leader of the group, Haliax, right? Haliax for going overboard on torturing, messing with the people, the you know the people that they're bringing their their version of justice or terror to. Right? He's like, just do the job. You don't need to relish in it or you know spend extra time or make it extra awful. Just do the job, mm. right? Yeah. But maybe Ash, if he's Cinder, wants to torture Quoth a little bit. Maybe he feels like Quoth put one over on him the last time and got away, um, you know, and wants to really put him put him through it a little bit. And they're using Denna for a more of a long game to get him isolated and kind of, I don't know, torture him a little bit. Maybe they want to use Quoth in some way. I don't know. You got you have to really reach for some different motivation if you if you buy that theory. Yeah, that's sinister. It man. worked. They got him there. Mm-hmm. So the second one is forget Quoth. That what the Chandrian are actually interested in is, and 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 that and that the relationship between Denna and Quoth is frankly just a coincidence, which is tough. I don't love coincidences, sure, but that the Chandrian are interested in sewing a new story, one to combat the story that Quoth heard in the in the Dockside Inn, right? Uh, from oh my gosh, his name Skelty, nope. You know who I'm talking about. The old guy with the wine cup. Yep. Names. I'm blaming COVID again. Scarpy. So, Scarpy. I had Skelty was not that far off. (laughs) I had the SK right and the the ending vowel sound. And then, yeah. Yeah, that's definitely (laughs) from Sked's Sked's life. You're pulling that one. Yep. Anyway, so to combat that story, perhaps what the Chandrian are attempting to do is uh and, and we know this actually you don't know yet matt because you haven't gotten there but in the in a wise man's fear denna's patron has her create and sing a song to quoth that is a different version of the creation war story one that completely contradicts everything about about what that creation story taught him about Oof. the ammer and everything else and so a loop yeah are the chandrian using Denna because she's so charismatic because she's talented maybe even because she's connected to Cloth they're using her to create a different version of this story to get him off the track or just to get people to think differently about the creation war and the role of the Chandrian in it if you know if we if we step back to the greater goal of their name not being circulated and people not knowing it remember we think the reason they killed Quoth's family is because they were singing the wrong types of songs, right? They don't want their name floating around there. Well, maybe they're trying to do some counter PR, right? With using Denna to, to create this song. Um, wow. All of that's, again, very thin. 
Um, but it, it kind of involves folks' involvement being either a little circumstantial and an happenstance that, you know, that, that, that Dena happens to be here, or that they're using this relationship to try to mold or change or create him to be a different sort of cloth. Yeah, I think I like that. It's all very sinister. Yeah. Yeah. Because if they just want him gone, they've had opportunity for that. Sure. It feels like they don't just want him gone. Yeah, maybe they see, maybe they, maybe what they see in him is some end game to actually, what is it that the, um, for them to be freed, their names have to be forgotten or something that, and then the angels will come down. I don't, I don't remember now all of the creation war stuff of what they said, but there was a whole, as part of what, uh, Salitos cursed them with, it was like, until your names are off the lips of the angels, something, something. Sure. I can't remember now. I have to go back and read it. But um, maybe they see potential in Quoth to help deliver that end end state, which Correct. they've been living with for thousands of years. Yeah. And they yeah. see something in him to be able to do it. I don't know what that yeah. would be, but maybe. Ben sees something special in him. The Chandrian sees something special in him. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then. But when Dena, and how? Like when Dena and how is the key to that? Sure. Sure. Is, yeah. is the question like have they been spying on him at the school? Is, have they been connected ever since? Is Lauren working with him? Is who knows, right? Right. And again, what's Denna's involvement? You postulate that she's kind of figuring out. So you know, there's one level maybe, of involvement is is yeah. ignorance, right? She's yeah. being used as a pawn, and she doesn't even know about it. The second level of involvement might be. Kind of like uh, the Disney version of Hercules, where she's kind of had to like sell her soul or a little bit, so she knows she's involved with something bad, like uh-huh. Meg and Hercules, and she has to do the bidding of the Chandran even though she don't want to. Right. Uh-huh. The third would be more sinister. She's actually involved. She's in. She's with them. She's yeah. dialed into him. She's drank their Kool Aid, and she's trying to yeah win both to their side or bring him down or whatever their purposes is with him, right? I need so to, it's I all need to look at the Chandrian again. Could she be one of the Chandrian? Doubt it. I can't, I, there were Doubt there it. were female Chandrian, but I don't I don't think, so. I don't think she's, yeah yeah doesn't seem yeah. right. Um. Anyway, uh, she does. She does bristle at the blue fire question, right? Which means that she knows about the Chandrian, that she'd even made. She knew that the blue fire is weird, right? Mm-hmm. And that she'd maybe even made that connection in her head about the Chandrian, because when he asks, she bristles at it. She's like, "Why do you ask that?" Right. Yeah. So, like, they're playing this little game about who knows what. Right. And so and it's maybe that's, even that's her. Part of what... She'd almost convinced herself that it wasn't that. And then now that Quoth's bringing it up, she has to right. reconcile with that mm. and go, like, no. Nope. Oh, right. Which here is, we go. right? Yeah. yeah. And yeah, we don't, we don't know. But 
she certainly bristles at it and it, it's one of the things that makes me think that she she is maybe putting it together sure. the lie about the tree you know I don't know like did Ash just beat her I don't know it, feel, it feels like the most obvious explanation but I don't know why why he would have did sure Unless again, they're using wrong? her to get to. Yeah, yeah, could be. Just it's it's a manipulation it's move. Did she did she answer the question wrong? How many people are at the wedding? <laughs> you said thirty two, and there were thirty four. Yeah. So they had to do some some extra work, and so she got punished for it. I don't know. Oof. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. Wrong. The uh, the song is interesting. Um, when your bright sword to- when your bright sword turns to rust, who to trust? Mm-hmm. Who to trust? Stand alone, standing stone. I don't know what to say about it, but it feels like the gray stones can offer some protection somehow or mm-hmm. you know like when your when your weapon fails you your bright sword fails you the weapon that you count on you gotta you gotta come to these stones they're they're your defense you need you need the magical arts or the fey realm or something right and uh i don't know these little these little three line parts of the song stand alone standing stone Mm-hmm. That standalone part's interesting. Yeah. Especially considering that Denna chooses to stand with him in these moments. Mm. Mm-hmm. Stand alone. Yeah, there's got to be some of the gray stones. Who to trust, who to trust. Nobody stand alone. Stand alone. Like both, you can't trust Denna. Right, right. Like it, maybe it implies, I don't know, some level of control or influence the Chandrian can have on people that you think you can trust. Mm-hmm. In this case, Denna maybe. When the hearthfire hearthfire turns to blue, what to do? What to do? Run outside. Run and hide. when the hearth fire turns to blue. So it's an existing fire that sure. was not blue. It turns blue. Right. And going back to what I was saying before about like the element or the conditions of the space changing around you. When the Chandrian, the Chandrian are near, yep. then you run outside. It's not that they brought blue fire and set something on fire and it was blue because they made the fire. The existing fire turned blue. Yeah. Because of whatever conditions or something. I completely buy that. Um just a reminder yeah, this is a children's song, everybody. Yeah. See a woman pale as snow, silent come and silent go. What's their plan? What's their plan? Chandrian, Chandrian. I got nothing on that one. No idea. Don't know who the pale woman pale woman is pale as snow is. I bet if we Google it, we can find some answers. I should have. <laughs> but uh 
silent come and silent go implies that this woman is quiet. Maybe maybe the thing she brings is a suppressed sound, like a, a heavy gravity or something. Ooh. All right. Um, Man. Okay. Anything else on this? Let's, honestly, we went through pretty much all the notes I had. Yeah. I'm interested to learn more about Devi's hunger slash lust for the archives. Mm-hmm. She was adamant about not loaning him those 20 talents. Yeah. That pushed her over just the, he's like, I'll just figure yeah. out a way in. And she's like, okay, here's your 20. Yeah. So what's interesting about that? I actually did Google. Why does Debbie want to get into the archive so bad? And then I didn't, I didn't look at the results, <laughs> but I did think about it. I did think about it as I was falling asleep last night. That matters. Yep. And Well, why do, you, why do people want to get in the archives? Knowledge. Most people want to get in the archives because there's information there that they think is going to help them with their exams and with their missions and things like that. Other people want to get in there because, yeah, there's knowledge in there that they're interested in finding. So Debbie had access while she was a student. She had access to study. She had access to whatever she wanted. Seems like she learned something, got expelled, probably for actions relating to it or something, (laughs) or got expelled for something unrelated and has since learned something that she really needs knowledge about. And the only place she thinks she can get is in the archives. Might, in fact, be the entire reason she stays in Imre, right? Because she thinks someday she has to get back in there because she has, like Quoth, some sort of unanswered question that she needs to find. Sure. Wonder if she has a motivation very much like his. I don't know if it's the Chandrian exactly, but some unanswered life mystery that she is obsessed with figuring out, kind of like he is. Mm-hmm. But there, I, I think of them as two peas in a pod. I think of them as very similar characters. Hmm. Debbie mm-hmm. and Cloak. I can and, see that, and I wonder if she's got a kind of a similar motivation. The other motivation I thought of, although I don't get this impression necessarily from Debbie, is if there's information there that she doesn't want to ever get out. In other words, she wants to get back into the archives because there's something in there that's in some way incriminating. And I don't know Mm -hmm. what that would be for. And she wants to get that and have it. Yeah. So that no one can ever find it. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a good thought. I wonder what that would be. It's kind of a similar. Sure. It's kind of similar to the other idea. I want to find knowledge to, to this mystery, or I know there's something in there that I don't want other people to find. We've theorized about that with Lauren and others too, right? That they're yeah, we have. As much as they're maintaining the archive, they're also pruning it or mm-hmm. hiding the information that they don't want. They recatalog the thing all the time. We heard somebody mention that. Like maybe when they do that, they make sure certain things get lost and misplaced. Um, Anyway. Yeah. As ends all our Debbie after dark discussions. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway, we'll see. (laughs) Or we won't. Or we, it's looking like we won't actually. (laughs) Whether Pat takes the George, the George route or not. 
It's looking more and more like we won't. Uh, positive. It's the holidays. Let's be positive. Yeah. Yeah. We do this to ourselves too. We do. We no do. one forced us to cover no. two book series that are unfinished with no end in sight. In our defense on A Song of Ice and Fire, when we started, it had only been two and a half years. Oh, we had great plans. We Since the last release. Yeah. Like, it didn't look, at the time, it really didn't look like that was going to be an unfinished series. Correct. It was very much like, we'll get through the first like three books. Wins yeah. will probably come out at that time. Yeah. yeah. So we'll pause to read wins and then carry yeah. on. And oh, then yeah, by we, the time we finish all those things, Dream of Spring will be well on its way. I mean, we could just go continuously and just finish all the books. We had several conversations that went just exactly that way. Yeah, Ab- Absolutely. Planning, trying to plan that time. The confidence we had. <sighs> then. Yep. Anyway. You ready to sign off? I'm ready to sign off. All right. It's late. So late. Yeah. You know what? It's almost time. Christmas break. I'm just holiday break it, man just trying to get through it yep hang in there we got this yeah well as you're hanging in there remember this remember matt signing off saying it's amazing how much easier it is to think productively when your belly is full mm. uh i am just going to sign off by saying no matter how old and wrinkly you get and how poor your disposition becomes Try to avoid making a shape with your mouth that makes it look like a cat's ass. Because I got to think being described that way is a low point. So try to avoid it. Yeah. Thanks for listening, Calisar. Good night, everybody. Good night. Mm-hmm.